This is Formula One Philosophy, Episode 3. Nick and Sean recording from the overtaken country of Canada. We are here today with each other, as always, and the dogs. We forgot to mention the dogs, Senna and Gatsby, who you will hear from time to time. They're sleeping right now, thank God, but we love them. Well, I love them. I don't know about you. They're all right. Yeah, okay. And... For anybody who's wondering, yes, the one dog Senna is named after the driver. Mm-hmm. And she's just as handsome as Arrington Senna. Bad start. Okay. Arguably just as quick, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, nice. This is a Formula One podcast. Formula One philosophy. We have another sponsor, Sean. Did you? Like, we have yet another sponsor. They sent me a blurb to read this time. Are you familiar with BetterHelp? Have you heard of them? I have heard of them. Yeah, they're all over podcasts these days. And, you know, I thought I want to get in on this too. So I sent them an email and they said, okay, we'll sponsor your podcast, but you're going to have to read this blurb for us. So I'll do it. I'll do both voices. It was supposed to be a two-man job, but I kind of set this up last minute. So I don't, didn't really have Sean memorize anything. So I said, you know what? I'll do both, both voices myself for BetterHelp. And I hope that's okay with them. Hi, this is BetterHelp Representative David. How can I help you today? Um, <clears throat> hi, my name is uh, Mohammed. Uh, my name is Mo, Mo uh, Atta. Um, ooh, uh, I mean, just Mo, Mo. I don't. I listen. You have to listen to me. I don't know how to say this, but uh, I was hired by the Saudi royal family to do something really bad, and I'm supposed to meet the other nineteen of them in L.A. I'm sitting at Boston Logan Airport right now, and I just, I, can't, I don't think I can go through with it. Can you, can you listen to me? Can you help me? I'm here. This is David. I'm here. I'm listening to you. What do you think you should do, Mohammed? I mean, Mo. I need to say no to them. I need to stop what we're about to do. They want us to blow up some landmarks in LA. They said, just get on the plane this morning, get to LA, all, of, all 20 of you, uh, shit, I wasn't supposed to say it's 20 of us. Um, all of us need to get to LA right now. So I'm, I'm in the airport, but I, I just don't know if I can get on American Airlines Flight 11. I, I just, I can't do this right now. <sighs> Stay on the line with me, Mo. I'm here to listen. I think you need to ask what you really want. Does that make sense to you? You're right, David. You're right. Okay, I'm going to get on the plane. But I'm going to tell the other guys, I'm not going to say the number, but I'm going to tell the other guys, we're not going to do this. I'm just going to get on the plane and nothing's going to happen. All right. (sighs) Thank you for listening, David. My life's going to change from this point forward. I'm looking at the time right now. Tuesday, September 11th, 2001, 7.30 a.m. My life is going to get better going forward. Wow, that was... uh, a very, very weird blurb that they sent us. Um, I knew it was a bad idea to let you do that. <coughs> I don't think BetterHelp was around in 2001, but... Yeah. I, I, well, it sounds like they were. They sent us this. And I think what they were trying to say was that... Well, I'm, I, I, I'm kind of sad to say this, but I think they're trying to say that 9-11 could have been prevented if we just listened. Just listened to the terrorists. All 20 of them, if we just let them talk. So anyway. 
on today's episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do it just to see if I'm going to get sued at work one day. I kind of want to just be handed the, the letter. You know? uh, <laughs> I apologize, everybody. I have to give him something to entertain himself. This is a lot of fun, okay? You can be on the next one. All right. Today is a big discussion. Sean and I are going to be talking about a lot of things. Most importantly, though, we're going to talk about our season predictions. Because if you can believe it, we are, what, less than 10 days from the beginning of the Formula One season. Yes, sir. Next Friday. Wow. Well, next next Friday is the first practice. Next Friday is the first qualifying. First qual- Because as they won't let you forget, if you're watching testing... The race is on Saturday. Yeah. What's the deal with that? Not to get too far off our discussion, but why did they do Saturday? Is it something to do with the um, the Middle Eastern country? Like, do they have a Ramadan again or something? Or It's the wrong time of year, but yes. So it's not Ramadan, but there's something. I, I can't remember what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That took me by surprise. I found that out uh, less than a month ago. I could have sworn uh, March 2nd was, uh, was a Sunday, but... Yeah, so everybody, remember, Saturday morning, if you're in North America, I guess Saturday afternoon if you're in Europe, and then it's Saturday night in the Middle East. Correct. Yeah, so let's get into that. So first off today, uh, I want to I give a correction, and then Sean's going to give a correction. So the first one I want to talk about is not necessarily a correction. I just want to get into more detail to help explain what Sean was talking about last week. Sean's analysis is going to be invaluable for us going forward, and we're going to lean on it quite a bit because it helps us deduce who are actually good drivers based on pure numbers, statistics, and mathematics, which is something that we're well-versed in, and I understood it, and Sean understood it, but in case any of you didn't, and that's not a shot at any of you because we, we have very technical backgrounds. Sean's an engineer. I was once an aspiring mathematician, statistician, economics. You want to guess what I do now? Anyways. Uh, We're a special type of neurodivergent. That's what he's trying to say. Yes. Whatever that means. Uh, <laughs> um, so, Sean was talking a lot about the mean finishing position. And he also delved in correctly into the idea that if a racer finishes 90% of the race, it counts. And if he doesn't, he, it doesn't count. But the mean was the average finishing position. I think most of you understood that, but I just want it's important to to define going forward because the variance was something we talked about a lot too. And the variance is the spread in between their finishing positions, their major finishing positions. So Max Verstappen's spread last year was first to fifth, but it wasn't really first to fifth because he only had one fifth. It was. It was an amazing average, and his variance was so low because he was always near first. Right, and there's there's a, an equation to calculate the variance. It's not just as simple as one to five, but ultimately, yes, that's what it is. the The more often you place very close to the same position, the smaller your variance gets. So, yes, go on. No, yeah, that, that's a perfect way of explaining it. There is there is a lot of math behind that, and it's. It's not as complex as people may think, but it's just important to break it down in a way that anybody can understand. And then we talked a lot about the standard deviation. And that we didn't really delve into detail, but here's how to look at it. Think of the standard deviation as how far a driver 
is from his mean on any given race. Well said. Yeah. So if someone finishes fifth, like say, we'll say science finishes fifth one race, which is more than likely going to happen, but his mean at finishing position is sixth, he's one standard deviation above his average. Well, no. If his mean is sixth and he finishes fifth, it's likely that he's within his standard deviation. Okay, that's a good way of explaining it. Yes. I believe science's standard deviation is three point something. So if he finishes sixth, one standard deviation will be third. So if he finishes fifth, he's within that standard deviation. Okay, that's There's a good There's a high likelihood he's going to finish between third and, fi- and sixth. Okay, that's an even better way of explaining it. Yeah. But yeah, it's how far essentially a driver... I, I was trying to say, trying to keep away the word deviation out of my definition, but look at it this way. It's how far a driver deviates from his mean. And and I think in all of you, if you're listening to this podcast, you have an understanding of Formula One. You also have a, an, a somewhat exceptional mind, an above average mind. So you understand what deviates means. So you, and unfortunately, it does include probability. And that's mm-hmm. that's how it all breaks down. I will put something on our Instagram page that shows how the bell curve breaks down into percentages based on standard deviations from the mean, but we won't bore you today with that. And oh, Sean, you just mentioned something. We have an Instagram page. We do. What is it? F1 underscore philosophy. You will see the smart posts, the mathematical and technical posts that will most likely be Sean. And if there's a mean with the Twin Towers and Ferrari, that's most likely me. No. Anything that's a little cringeworthy probably came from Nick. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my favorite type of comedy. <laughs> You're all going to learn that about me slowly. Do you have any corrections from last week? I do. Mm-hmm. So one main correction. Um, I mentioned last week that Lewis Hamilton wasn't comfortable with his seat position. Uh, I thought that it was the fact that he was too far back back in the cockpit because George is a tall man. Turns out it's the opposite. The Mercedes engineers had to package a whole lot of cooling equipment, radiators behind the driver, which pushed the cockpit forward. So Lewis was not happy that he was sitting so far forward in the car. George didn't seem to have a problem with it. Lewis did. This year they moved him back. You want to know how far that difference was? No, go on. 10 centimeters. Hmm. We're going to keep it PG. We're going to keep it PG. Well, I'll say it. In the bedroom, 10 centimeters is quite a bit. (laughs) Thank you, Sean. Thank you for being the the, uh, uh, person doing a cringeworthy comment as well. I'm not a comedian, by the way. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, Is that everything for corrections? Corrections, yes. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so... We have a lot to talk about today, but I guess we're going to start with testing. So testing started this week. It's, today is Thursday, February 22nd, 2024, and it started yesterday. It so, did. Yeah. So we are now, uh, we are, I guess, one day away from testing being finished. And uh, the first two days, in my opinion, weren't exactly anything special. Like you didn't really see anything that's going to give you an idea of what the 2024 season is going to be like, but it is noteworthy that Max Verstappen once again dominated by over a second. 
I guess, in a sense, but I think a lot of cars are literally just doing that, just testing right now. So to say that, oh, this is ominous, which a lot of people are saying, I, I don't think that's that's tr- really fair to say right now. No, it, it's not. And you see that based on the tires they're using. So at testing, they have the entire range of tires available to them. So for those that don't know, there are, I believe, six compounds of tire available from Pirelli. On any given weekend, they bring three. Mm. So the soft, the medium, and the hard change weekend to weekend based on the track. So there are tires available to the teams during testing that they'll never see in Bahrain. Mm. Bahrain is a very abrasive circuit. It's a very hot circuit. So the softer end of the range doesn't get used. So more than likely they're going to use C, if for all the fan, Formula One fans who know the C3, C4, C5 more likely going into the first weekend. I think that's the range, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you see the graphics in testing, you know, you've got red, yellow, white, which it, red is soft, yellow is medium, white is hard. You've got two compounds in each of those colors. And really, nobody's run the red tires. Nobody's run the softer ones, except for Williams with Logan Sargent, and it hasn't been great. Well, do you know if that was C1 or C2? Because C1, C2 is both soft, right? Yeah, well, I think they have a C0. I think oh. it goes C0 to C5. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's It doesn't make sense, but... Well, it makes sense to me because you said six compounds, and then I was in my head going, oh, there's only I only listed five. Yeah. yeah, so C so C0, C1 are most likely the softs. I imagine Sergeant, when he spun, was on C0, or he's completely useless and spun on C1. I don't think it was that soft, even. Oh, wow. When he spun, he definitely wasn't on the softs. His best lap was put in on the softer tire. Um, and just to note, Logan is the only one that has really lost it completely. Um, what we did see in testing is another Ferrari broke another drain cover. Yeah. And Hamilton too, right? Hamilton ran over it yeah. after the Ferrari pulled it up. <laughs> so I'm just going to say it. The Ferrari seems to suck. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. a different way than most people would think. Yeah. It, it, those three things you just listed, Sergeant spinning, Ferrari breaking something, and Hamilton having a tough time. I think I was going to list those as some of my 2024 predictions. We'll talk more in depth about that later. But I think that is an, is an ominous sign, not for Stappen dominating. I think all, all those three things are true to form to all three. Yeah. And I think we'll get into that pretty quickly. I just want to touch on a couple more things in testing and then we'll be off of it because it has been relatively uneventful. A mm. um, couple things from Williams. Finally, after 10 years, after an entire decade, Williams has redesigned a steering wheel. Wow. 2014 was the last time they designed a steering wheel. Yes. So what have they been doing the last 10 years? Have they just been stealing it from Mercedes? No. For the last 10 years, Williams has been using the same steering wheel and dash configuration. Wow. Because they could not afford to develop a new concept. I don't know if anybody else is focused on this. I have because I'm both an engineer and I've driven race cars. The and fact a nerd. and a nerd. Yes. Okay, <laughs> fine. The fact that the dash 
was fixed to the chassis and the steering wheel had all the controls and was movable opposite the actual display drove me fucking crazy. Everybody else, if they're 90 degree, you know, if their hand position's 90 degree from straight, they can see what's happening. Williams, if they're 90 degrees left or right, their hands are covering the dash. <laughs> no wonder they were fucked every time in Hungary. I mean, ultimately it doesn't matter because if you're a driver and you're staring at your dash, you're looking in the wrong position. But the fact that the technology was 10 years back and they couldn't afford to develop a dash was kind of concerning to me. Well, so I was pleasantly surprised to see them come into testing with a steering wheel that looked like everybody else's. <laughs> think of all the things that pa happened in this past decade. Like, it's just all the changes, like all, all like AI now exists since Williams desi last designed a steering wheel. And I, I just want to touch on one thing. Like, from what Vowels says is they have money, they have sponsorship. It has more to do with the cost cap. They can't make any major infrastructural uh, leaps and bounds. Yeah, and that's something he pushed for last year as well because he came in there coming from Mercedes and kind of went, holy fucking shit, you guys are operating in the 80s. Yeah, I, I well, not in the 80s, but like literally, I know the 80s was a bit of an exaggeration, but literally 2001, I think he was saying, or something like that. Like, something along those lines, yeah. Yeah, and, he, and he's not the type of person to exaggerate or to make things up, James Vowles. He's very straight-edged. So if he said this is this is stuck in the early 2000s, that's a big deal. That's 24 years behind everybody else. Yeah, and keep in mind that he came from a massive powerhouse of Mercedes. So going to Williams, the bottom team, he was bound to find something. But I think he was even surprised with the infrastructure he found there. And I think he was relatively successful in getting some leeway and the teams agreeing that they could spend some money that otherwise wouldn't have been allowed. I want to I want to just make a quick rant before we enter things. All cost caps, all um, what's it called, uh, salary caps in every sport. So like we're we're here in Canada, we see it in the NHL, we see it in the NBA. All that crap always ruins a sport because it basically solidifies the top at the time when you make the salary cap. So this cost cap, yeah, it may be saying, oh, the Red Bull and Mercedes can't outspend anybody. But it also it also means that someone like Williams can't go into major debt to refinance itself to make itself a big competitor in the future, and I think that's unfair. I and I think they need F one needs to look into that. Our billion followers and billion subscribers can help F one understand that hopefully in the future, because we're making a dent in this podcasting world. But I, I hope one day that. And I'm being serious now. I hope one day we get enough of a following to the point where we can help change that discussion because it, it's it's ruined the sport in a lot of ways. It's just solidified Ferrari, Mercedes, and uh, Red Bull at the top ever since they introduced the cost cap. It has. And this is, this is something that has come up a couple of times in testing. I've been watching it religiously the last couple of days to to be able to try and find something to talk about. Um it's been pretty tame so far. But one thing that has come up is the RB team, the Visa Cash App RB, they're just saying, call us RB. Mm. Um, 
Zach Brown is complaining already that we shouldn't have the same person owning two teams. This is not right. This is so it's come to light what RB has done, and it's perfectly legal. It's the same thing that Haas has done. It's the same thing that Williams and Mercedes do. It's the same thing that has happened along the way. The same thing that McLaren did for many years with Mercedes. Absolutely, and still does to yeah. a certain extent uh, because they use Mercedes powertrains. There you go. So ultimately, it follows the Haas model. And nobody complains anymore about Haas. The first year, they were complaining because Haas was showing some relative pace. So everybody went, holy shit, they shouldn't be the little Mercedes. Or little Ferrari, I think. Sorry, yes. Oh, wow. That's okay. They shouldn't be the little Ferrari. And then once they started falling off the map, everybody went, oh, well, this is fucking fine. (laughs) It's the same thing that happened to Toro Rosso. It's the same reason we have listed and unlisted parts now. Um, If you don't know, when Vettel Vettel won in Imola, not Imola, sorry, Monza, with the Toro Rosso. In 2008. Great race. Excellent race. That 2008 Toro Rosso was a 2000. 2007 Red Bull car. Mm. They bought the previous year's chassis from Red Bull. Didn't design much. The only thing they had to do was convert it from a Renault engine to a Ferrari engine, which means changing how the tub mounts to the engine, changing how the suspension mounts to the gearbox. Very simple. Mm. But ultimately, Red Bull didn't want Ferrari engines. They went to Renault. Toro Rosso stuck with Ferrari. That was the minority DNA, I feel, yeah. pushing them, yeah. Anyways. And Ferrari was a better engine at that point. Mm. And that's ultimately why they won in Monza. It was a wet race. Sebastian Vettel's great in the rain. The car was fast. They won. Yeah, and didn't uh, the, his teammate come second? I forget his name. Buemi or something. Buemi. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where he finished, but he may have. He was high up there, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. But ultimately, after that race, everybody went, holy fuck. We shouldn't be able to buy... They shouldn't be able to buy the previous championship car. But that was something that was in place for years. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sauber at the time, the 90s Sauber was old Ferrari engines. For Minardi was old Ferrari engines. Oh, I'm not talking about engines. I'm talking about chassis. Uh, yeah, well, they I, it was the same thing. I'm what I'm trying to say. It's like they were basically old platforms of the, old, of the year before Ferrari. Yeah. For many years. But Mc- even a better example of that was Spiker. Spiker only did half of what they did because they were buying McLaren chassis from the year before. Mm. Now, those McLaren chassis weren't great, the two but they were still newly designed chassis. Mm. Kept them, right. Well, it kept what en- ended up becoming Force India alive. Like, it kept that projection forward. But yeah. Yeah, and, and, absolutely. And this is what Zach Brown has been saying. Like, he's been complaining that they've got a competitive edge because they can take all the stuff from Red Bull. Well, what they're actually doing, and it's the same thing that Haas is doing, is instead of having a dedicated base in Faenza in Italy that is solely RB, they've said, okay, this group of people is going to move to Milton Keys, where Red Bull is based. Because of the cost cap, Red Bull has a surplus of people that they don't want to fire, and RB has a vacuum of people. They don't have enough people. They could pay more people than meet the cost cap. So they said, okay, we're going to make an RB office in our Milton Keys headquarters. 
and some of our Red Bull people can support your RB people. This is great. They're not working on both cars. They're segregated into working on this, but the technology is there. The wind tunnels there. The, all the development infrastructure is there. But you still have your Fienza headquarters. Mm. It's the same thing that Haas does because Haas has a design office in Maranello, mm-hmm. right next to Ferrari. They got like five. They got one in England, one in Maranello, one in South Carolina, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, North yeah. Carolina. Yeah. Anyways, go on. One of the Carolinas. Yeah. And this is just it. You, we see the RB car rolled out, and I did post this on the Instagram, the difference between the RB and the, the Red Bull. That was a funny meme. I got to give you that. It was more of a meme than anything technical. Hmm. Kind of stolen from Top Gear, but anyway. <laughs> um, it is no different than what Haas has done. But Zach Brown is bent out of shape because he's worried that RB will, could potentially surpass McLaren. Time will tell. We'll see. So he's trying to get it on top of that and say, well, Red Bull shouldn't be able to own two teams. You haven't had a fucking problem with it for the last 20 years. Yeah. Or not 20, but almost 20 at this point. 19, 18, something like that? Yeah, 18. Yeah, 2006, around there. Yeah. They're complying with the rules. Nothing in the current rules says they can't do that. Mm-hmm. And frankly, if we start seeing lobbying to change rules at this point, get a fucking life, guys. Well, I've, I've warned about this in several therapy sessions. They've already, they're already t- people lobbying every day. Like you, you, they're already team principals and technical directors lobbying every day. You saw it throughout the 2021 season. Whenever something didn't go Red Bull's way, Horner was on the phone. Whenever something didn't go Mercedes' way, Wolf was on the phone. That that camel is already underneath the tent, unfortunately. Like it, I agree with you. This this shouldn't be one in the courtroom. This shouldn't be one in the boardroom. But it sounds like Zach Brown is just being a little salty because he's he's worried about what's behind him right now. And also, yeah, and to get into the predictions in a sense yeah you have two decent drivers one who could be really exceptional in daniel ricardo and one who's i'm on the fence of yuki Tsunoda that yeah potentially could propel them in front of mercedes but yeah before we get into that did, did you want to add anything else about this yeah i i think you're right and i think mclaren looks pretty strong so far mm. and let's The schedule has changed. They've compartmentalized the schedule. So they're in the Middle East now. And I think we end up in Asia in April. I think Japan comes after China. Japan's early. Yeah. This year, that's sacrilege. Well, it's great. Um, I think April in Japan is a great time. It's still in that area where right now they typically race in Japan later in the year. September, October, yeah. Yeah, and the weather is kind of unpredictable. <sighs> That's the best part of Suzuka, though, but yeah. Right, but April in Japan, as someone who's been to Japan in March, April time frame, weather's also unpredictable, so that hasn't changed. It'll be cold. It'll be really fucking cold. Interesting. You, we saw great results with that in Las Vegas. I yeah. was skeptical, very skeptical about that, but you know, it, acts, it adds a different element. It adds a type of strategy where you have to think. You have to think ahead. You have to think, I can't overuse the tires. I can't push the car too far. But I also want a lot of speed. And that is exactly what Japan is. Because Vegas is a high-speed track. Japan can also be, at times, a high-speed track. So, you know what? I'm, I'm, you just sold me on, a, on an April Japan. Yeah. But where I'm going with that mm-hmm. is, I think by Japan, so by April, 
if Zach Brown isn't complaining anymore, he's just a douchebag. <laughs> because I think McLaren will be above Red Bull, or sorry, will be above RB. Mm. V-carb. Yeah, frankly, I think that's probably a better name to call them. V-carb. V-carb. Sounds like a fitness brand. <laughs> but Well, listen, maybe, maybe we should get into it now, because I actually, it's not that I disagree, I'm. I'm just. I just think. I think McLaren's not going to hit the ground running. You want. You want to get into it? Like we can go. We can start at McLaren if you want. We'll start at McLaren, but give me a second. So, okay. we'll move off of that. Um, we talked last time about some suspension components. Yes, front push rod, back pull rod, or vice versa. I. I right. Yeah, I did it this time. And a lot of teams have. Switched philosophies to go to Red Bull's philosophy. What a shock. Okay. Some teams have stuck to what they were doing. And frankly, I think Pat Simmons, who is the technical... I forget what his title is, but he's... Him and Ross Braun were responsible for developing this new generation of car. And Pat Simmons knows a lot about suspension geometry. And he had a good conversation with Ted Kravitz about what the geometry means and why they, you know. And ultimately, Pat Simmons's conclusion was, do whatever the fuck you want. If you can justify it in your mind, it's probably going to work. One way or the other, he doesn't think it makes a huge amount of difference. But obviously, these teams were full of highly intelligent people have looked at their solutions and thought, well, this didn't work, so let's go to the Red Bull one. Well, okay, just to add to point, like that's exactly what everybody did in 2009. Oh, we, we missed the mark, and Braun got, got it right with the double diffuser, so in the mid-season upgrades, let's just all do that. Well, it's a little different, because the double diffuser was a genuine benefit. Um, I'm not an aerodynamicist. It's always kind of boggled me, but... In general, what Braun did was clever. Um, this is more fundamental. Push rod, pull rod, it's been the same since the 50s, really, um, in a way. And even in lower formulas like Formula 4, Formula Ford, Formula VW, which is a wild series. If anybody has a chance to check out Formula VW, it's... It's entertaining. German and entertaining? <laughs> you could have fooled me. Anyways. Formula VW started off as people disassembling VW bugs. So 1970s VW bugs and making them into open wheel race cars. Wow. It, it's worth a watch if you ever find one locally. We have them here. They run at Mosport. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, but anyway, I digress. I will post something on the Instagram page about pull rod versus push rod suspension. Um, ultimately, these systems like to be in tension, which means you want to pull on them. From a mechanical standpoint, that makes a whole lot of sense. Being able to package things lower in the car makes a whole lot of weight distribution sense as well as aerodynamic sense. So it's really a trade-off of what you do with the whole car. It's a system approach. And what you do in the front may not be the same as the back. And that influences a whole lot of anti-dive 
I won't go into any of that detail because it's been well over a decade since I dealt in suspension design. Well, I'll just I'll just add this. We talked about Ferraris switched up. So Red Bull hasn't switched up this entire ground effect era, or did they? What you were saying is they finally did. No, Nui likes his setup, and he doesn't want to switch it. And now everybody's copying him because of it. Not everybody, but a lot of teams have manipulated their setups. Alpha Tauri changed. Mm. Um, I believe Ferrari changed as well. But anyway, uh, so I will post something there about that. F1 underscore philosophy at Instagram or at Instagram.com. You'll find it there. Sean does a lot of good technical analysis there. So keep, a, keep an eye on it. And I do want to say I mentioned that Mercedes had this Mandalorian type inlet. I did notice it on the Alpine as well. I put that up on the Instagram. I'm going to go out and just dub this right now. It's the Mandalit. It's not an inlet. It's the mandalit. Mm. Is that a is that a French word that you're doing? No, mm. it's just play on words of Mandalorian and inlet. Okay. Yeah, I, I know nothing about engineering, so you could have said anything there. That was your chance. I thought I was being clever with the Star Wars reference, but to just a note on that, it does seem to be that they're trying to they're trying to leverage the boundary layer so as air flows over a body the boundary layer is the layer that sticks to the body they're trying to leverage that flow along the nose cone and the front part of the chassis to funnel air into that side uh side pod so it's it's interesting red bull's car has gone a completely different way and what i was saying in the last episode about Nui wanting to evolve I kind of got punched in the nuts on that one because they revealed this car and a lot of people thought the car that came to testing was going to look drastically different than the car that they released. Turns out it wasn't. Mm. It's the exact same fucking car. Um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, no, this is the problem. It's a complete departure from where they were. My, last episode I was talking about Nui likes to evolve and don't break what isn't broken or don't fix what isn't broken. But essentially what they've done is say, oh, Mercedes had a zero pod concept and it didn't work for them, but I can make it work. Yeah. And I think you've, you've alluded to this in other, in other like therapist sessions and other podcasts. You said like the only thing that's going to destroy Red Bull is that type of arrogance. So that's interesting that he's kind of like thinking I'm, I'm going to beat them at their own game. When I don't necessarily have to. Right. And what we're seeing is not a zero pod concept. Obviously, it has side pods. It's got this vertical inlet. It's got a very shallow horizontal in- inlet. They're calling it the shark inlet. Um, it's a very weird looking side pod. But ultimately, what it comes down to is it doesn't look like there's anything behind the exterior. Which means, like, for like, what does that mean for power? What does that mean for grip? What does that mean for... It, it's irrelevant, really. Yeah. So a lot of the talk now is by Japan, they could see a completely new Red Bull that looks a lot more like the 22 Mercedes. Interesting. So basically, it's Nui laughing in the face of everybody on the grid, saying, you've spent two years trying to catch us, 
and we found out what Mercedes did wrong, and fuck uh. you, we're going for it. <laughs> and so, you're, and then that means also that 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 kills them mentally in the sense that oh yeah, you're another two years behind now. Right. Wow. So everybody has spent two years trying to catch up, and this has been thrown around a lot in testing that if you're keeping pace, you're standing still. You have to be innovating. You have mm-hmm. to be trying to move forward. And I would think, or I would have the tendency to think that there's a possibility they got it wrong, except for the fact that, like you mentioned, Verstappen was a second ahead of everybody else yesterday. Yeah. And he does, I don't think he ever holds back. So no. like, well, maybe he was sandbagging. Maybe. No, I I've, I don't think he was because he doesn't, he's so singularly focused that it's like, why would I hold back? I don't care. Yeah. Right. He, he's a generational talent. And yeah, we're going to talk about a bit about that today. Also, yeah. hold that thought that if you're not innovating, uh, you're falling behind. That We're going to have to remember that when we get to Austin Martin because Austin Martin just basically copied the 2023 Red Bull and had great results at the beginning, but then fell behind pretty quickly. Uh, I, I don't really agree with that, but... Well, that's what... that's what What's his name? Verstappen, Nui, and Perez said early on in the season. They said there was three Red Bulls on the podium. That's what I'm going... That's no, what that was 2023. They copied the 22 car. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what they've done this year is an evolution of that 22 Red Bull. Austin Martin's evolution of the 22 Red Bull. And it looks good. And it takes me back to something that Pat Simmons said as well, that the concept car that the FIA released for 22 had a very fat nose. And everybody went, well, these fat noses aren't going to catch on. There's no reason these fat noses need to catch on. They don't work. They're useless, whatever. Alpine, Aston Martin, um, a number of other cars. I can't remember them right now, but all except for really Red Bull, Ferrari, and Sauber have very fat fucking noses to the point where the Alpine looks like someone punched it in the face. (laughs) Someone needs to punch Alpine in the face, as we're going to talk about. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Let, so, yeah, that Anything is, else? that's it for testing for me. So, yeah. Okay. I didn't like, I didn't really watch testing. I, um, it's gone are the days of the, of the nineties and two thousands when testing was whenever you were off to me, like I feel bad for the new drivers coming up and the, and everybody at a formula two, you only get three days. It's just, it's just, you don't so, even get three days if you're a new driver. Actually. Yeah. You guess you get a day and a half because you're not allowed to go in every session. Yeah, and, and Schumacher, like uh, it's in the Schumacher doc- documentary in 96, him and Irvine were doing 12 hour days for like a month, February and March. Mm-hmm. And like, and just g- gone are those days where if you were behind, you were given months at a time to catch up. And I don't know, I, I just, it's just not, it's just not the same. And I, I'm going to harp on this a lot. And Sean gets on my case about it too, that yes, we're not in the nineties and two thousands anymore. Things have changed. Rules have changed. Get over it. And yeah, in a sense I have, I have started watching formula one again, religiously since 2018 when I was very much like that, that loser teenager, like who like brushed his hair to the right or left because it was hanging over his bangs. And he's like, Oh, I hate this. 
like during 20, 2010 to 2018. But I always like whenever it was on, whenever my dad was watching it, I was always watching it. It was still always interesting as much as I hate to admit it. But yeah, like we've grown, we've changed. This is the new rules. I just feel bad. I do. I feel bad for the new drivers that they get like a day and a half of testing. For but I'll agree with you on that. I think there is something missing. We need to help the younger drivers. And I think Nick and I will make an episode about this specifically, how the FIA has let these younger drivers down. This is the first year in F1's history that the grid has not changed. Yeah, no rookies. There's no rookies. There's not even a, like the, is there a second year rookie? Uh, Sergeant, that would be the only one. Sergeant, yeah, that's it. But, yeah, but he's not necessarily, he's not like a, um, a a Yuki or a Mick who started at the end of one era and then started the, and the beginning of another era. Where like Yuki and Mick started in 2021 and then had to reform everything in 2022. Right, but that's my point. He's a second-year rookie. Yeah. Um, but you look at the way F2 is supposed to work. If you finish first in F2, you cannot race another season in F2. Mm. So you've got people like Liam Lawson, who has to find racing other places. Lawson won F2? I didn't know that. He did. Oh, okay. Um, he's in Japan. Yeah, Super Racing Formula. Super Formula. Won on debut in Super Formula, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Came second after having to jump from Japan to Europe to race for Alpha Tower. Yeah, not easy. Which is phenomenal. I mean, this the Super Formula's calendar is fairly short and fairly spread out, but to have to jump around like that and still finish second is pretty impressive. And one of his competitors in Super Formula is making their debut in Formula 2 this year, which I want to talk to you in another episode about. Okay. Um, you've got... Um, Porcher. Porcher, Porcher is jumping is into Super Formula this year. Yeah. yeah. And um, Jack Dewan. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. He's n- I don't know that he's not jumping into Super, super Formula, but he's on the sidelines for Alpine. Hmm. He's... But the ultimately he can't race in F two anymore. I don't. He, I don't think he won though. But like he was high up there. I think he has all his license points. That's sure. Yeah, yeah. You got Felipe Dragovic, who mm-hmm. I don't think is particularly good, but he did win his second season of F two. His second? I thought it was his third because I remember it was Maybe Mick. His third. It was his third. You know why? Because Mick won, Piastri won, and then he finally won, and he was very promising. But they never. But they were like, okay, you just lost to two. Sure. One, a generational talent. One, we gave up on. But, like, you, yeah, you didn't really beat anybody. They all left. Yeah. And as somebody who comes from a Portuguese background, I'm always a little cautious of some, a Brazilian with the name Drogovic. But that's, that's a different story. <laughs> Jordan went off about that, actually, in, in one of their episodes, that there's no Brazilians on the grid for the first time in a while. Yeah. And that, uh, yeah. The, the sport needs a Brazilian. The it, last couple of Brazilians haven't been very good, frankly. Who have they been? Like I know since Massa, like Bruno Ma- Senna, yeah, Nasser. Oh, he was Brazilian. I didn't know that. Okay. He was Brazilian. He was terrible. Yeah, but Massa was on the grid with both of them and outshone them entirely. Yeah. Rubens Barrichello, which he's he's been away for a while, but mm-hmm. he's still racing apparently. Yeah, Brazilian NASCAR. <laughs> 
But Brazilian NASCAR is like a track. It's not an oval, if I'm not mistaken. Yes and no. They they do both. Yeah. Just like NASCAR here does, but... Well, NASCAR does 90% ovals in like two road courses. Yeah, and they bitch and moan about the road courses. Well, Dale Earnhardt Jr. You and I went off about that <laughs> one of our drunken stupors one time where Dale Earnhardt Jr., supposedly like the golden boy of, of NASCAR, can't race a road course. Like, like what? you're a terrible driver if you're complaining about that. Yeah, I think specifically what you're talking about was he was on the radio complaining because he, he was teammates with Juan Pablo Montoya, <laughs> formerly of F1. Yeah. And his comment was, this isn't working. Let, Mon- let uh, Montoya buy. He, no- he loves these type of tracks. That's that's what a race. Oh my god, I can go off about this. Now. Okay, anyways, we're forty five minutes in. Holy we, shit, we've had some great conversation. I don't want I don't want to like discount what we've talked about. We've talked about some great stuff, but we should probably now start getting into the crux of this episode, yes. which is our season predictions. So, let's start from the back because I think this will be quicker, and then we can we can elaborate and go off on the teams we want to go off. But we'll go from the order from the back of last year. So we're going to start with our season predictions for Haas. Now, I've gone off about Haas. It's actually one of our least popular episodes, if you look at, uh, at, listen, at listens. Nobody really wanted to hear it, surprisingly, uh, when I went off about Haas. Even though I fucking, like, I just want to give myself a pat on the back. I fucking nailed it two days before they fired Steiner. But that's what, and I want to talk about that because I think... Everybody's very down on Haas this year. They think they're going to go nowhere. They think they're going to stay in 10th. I think they have ninth place in them. I do. I think they're finally going in the right direction. I think because it's going to become evident that they need to they need to improve. They needed to improve. They needed a quick change. And it's going to also become evidently clear this year that Kevin Magnuson is complete and utter garbage. That it's, it wasn't necessarily the car that it was him now he did technically get three points finishes to nico hulkenberg's one but after talking to sean extensively about this and from seeing the numbers that sean posted i think sean has a point in the sense that nico hulkenberg is going to come in this year and do what he does they said this last year and he completely missed the mark but i think this year I don't think there's there's any podiums in him. I don't think there's any exceptional finishes. I think this year, with a steady hand like Ayo Komatsu, who I'm I'm actually not impressed with, but I I think that was the right hire in the sense they have someone quiet who's just going to do the job, the job that needs to be done. And I think with those two, ninth place is a possibility. Nothing else. Nothing else. And very smart. Sean, that you're writing down, you're writing down these predictions so we can post them. Yeah, I think ninth place is possible. For the fact, for one reason that I'm going to talk about when we get the next team, that their competitor who finished ninth last year is completely fucking inept. Also, and I think there is something to having experienced drivers when you just need to grow and collect points, which. Once again, I hate to say this, but one thing Nico Hulkenberg do can do when the car is in a decent position is score points. Now, is that car going to be there? That remains to be seen. But I, I, because everybody's going so against them right now, I'm going to go a little bit for them. Whereas last year, when everybody was going way for them when they got rid of Mick Schumacher and got a points grabber, 
they thought, oh, they well, seventh is not out of the realm. Sixth is not out of the realm because Nico's going to get points. Yeah, how did that work out? So I was the opposite then. I'm the opposite now. I think ninth is a possibility for Haas. And I think they have things in place where they're going to start off very flat. That's clear. Komatsu's made that very clear. But I think they can slowly grow into a ninth place because Alpha only got 16 points last year. And now they're kick sauber. And their drivers didn't change. Management didn't really change. And Joe has been given this adoration and this, this like complete pass for everything he hasn't done. And like even like I respect Jordan and Coulthard's opinion, but they went over who deserves to be off the grid. And Joe wasn't one of them. And he's just kind of there. He's just kind of there. He doesn't doesn't really do anything special. And I think Sauber needs a little bit of that. And Bottas, and sorry, this I'm just going to wrap this up with, with that too. Bottas is just kind of there as well. And he's just slowly easing into retirement. So I think Haas can get ninth. But yeah, what do you think about Haas? I disagree. Ooh. Wholeheartedly. Um, I think that Haas, from what I've seen in testing so far, they've brought the same car. Yeah, the side pods look different. Yeah, some of the body features look different. They might get a, a little less tire degradation. When I look at the car head-on, coming at you down the straight, it's the same car it was last year. The front wing, to me, looks... The front wing, the nose, the side pod entry, looks the same as the FIA's version of the 22 car. Oh, so you think they're like two years behind then? Not even two years behind. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> okay, I didn't argue that. Yeah, I agree with that. I, go on. Pat Simmons even said it. When we designed the 22 car, we were not designing a championship winning 22 car. We were designing a rules compliant car. The 22 car that the FIA designed as a show car would not have been competitive in 22. <laughs> and so, when I look at the Haas, I see that car. Wow. That's a, that's a great point. And just sorry, I just want to ask you a quick question. Pat Simmons is part of the FIA or is he part of a team right now? He was part of the FIA. Or sorry, he is now part of the FIA. He's Him and Ross Braun assembled the team to create the cars that we have today. Pat Simmons is, very, is a very big name in the grid because he was at Benetton when Schumacher was there. He's been a huge name at Williams. He was at Williams when Senna was there. Mm. He's a great designer. He's touched every part of championship winning cars. He knows what he's doing. On the flip side of that, he was also banned from F1 for 10 years. Was this from uh, Crashgate? It was exactly from Crashgate. Jesus. Him, like, Briatore is just a fucking cancer on this thing. Anyways, go on, yeah. Yes. (laughs) So... Briatore is banned from F1 for life. He cannot be part of a team. He cannot be part of anything. He still makes his rounds because he has companies that promote and do all sorts of event stuff. But anyway, if you don't know who Briatore is, he is Alonzo's manager. Now, Look, now he used always, to be. Always. From oh, day one. Oh, from, okay. But, uh, but I mean, in the 90s, he was the team principal of Benetton. And Alonzo's manager. In 
Okay, so Alonso's been around that long. Okay. Yeah. As long as Alonso has been fighting for F1, which is why Alonso had almost no junior career. He went from karting to F1, essentially. Yeah. It's because of Briatore. So anyway, if you don't know who Briatore is, look him up on Google, watch some YouTube videos. It's It's fascinating because... Yeah, he's not a technical person. He is an Italian businessman or Spanish. I forget what no, he's, he's, he's Italian, Italian, yeah. Jordan hated him. Yes. Yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah. So, oh, sorry, where was I going with this? Simmons. Simmons. Renault, he was with Renault at the time, at the same time. They orchestrated uh, Nelson Piquet Jr. to crash in Singapore in the world's worst orchestrated crash. Yeah, at least pick a corner. Right. A yeah. corner that people crash in, which in <laughs> Singapore is every other corner but the one he did. <laughs> anyway. You know, that's the thing that's about um, about con artists, you know? They have to leave a shred of guilt. Like, they have a shred of guilt. So they have to leave clues of what they did. And, and I think that's basically what I'm, I'm saying. It was like, yeah, why yeah. would you pick that straight? to crash it like they wanted to leave some a, a, a little bit of ominism or something like where oh what really happened there like they, they have to because yeah they, it's just they have their guilt anyways go on yes but ultimately pat simmons briatore and alonzo they were all kind of in on this and the result was pat simmons was kicked out of f1 for 10 years so he came back in 2018 then or 2019 around there something like that yeah but ultimately, he went to work for the F1, and they designed this ground effects era car. And it's been great, because Pat Simmons is a, a brilliant engineer. So is Braun. Yes. And him and Braun together created this car, essentially. They put a team together. Um, Nicholas Tombiasis. That might be his name. I, I might be pronouncing it wrong. Is he a businessman, been a, a Greek businessman? or I believe he's Polish, but... What's the team that they brought together? Like Braun GP or like... No, no, no. It's the FIA. Okay, okay. Yeah. They've come together. So Nick, Nicholas Tombiasis, uh, I'll have to figure out what that name is, um, is the head of FIA's single-seater. So he runs all the single-seaters, which includes Formula 1, Formula 2, Formula 4. I believe the Renault Cups fall under that. Mm-hmm. He's in charge of all of it, right? So they've created this concept. For F1, they've created the concept for F2, which changed this year. The F2 cars look very different this year. Um, are they closer to F1 cars or are they closer to the 2021 cars? They're closer to Super Formula cars. And that's interesting because Super Formula cars were apparently the 2021 years, from my understanding. Well, this is the thing that kills me is Delara makes the Formula 2 cars, the Formula 2 chassis are all Delara chassis. Super Formula are all Delara chassis. Ferrari, Haas. Yeah. A lot of comp- a lot of teams buy parts from Delara. Delara is a magnificent Italian race car manufacturer. I never thought I'd hear you say that about Italian engineering. Go on. Yeah. I'm sure if we look deep enough, there's a lot of Germans that work for Delara. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, Super Formula is a more analogous car to f1 than f2 is we're digressing but yeah it it will relate back to haas everybody yes yes yeah so ultimately delara is 
building cars for everything. And Pat Simmons and Ross Braun and all these guys got together and said, this is what the F1 car needs to look like. And Delara built that show car. The F1, the uh, 22 car. Yeah, which is the what you're original saying, 22 show car. Which was not going to be competitive, which is exactly what Haas looks like right now. Which is why you think Haas is going to be right at the bottom. Which is the same nose, the same front wing that they've had since 22. You look at everybody else's nose and front wing now, and you go, that doesn't look like Haas. I don't know what the fuck Haas missed. Maybe there's a memo that they thought they got that said they can't touch the front wing. But holy fuck, their front wing this year looks the same as last year, looks the same as the year before. Well, they lost what's-his-name, that Italian guy who left to go back to Ferrari. No, he wasn't in aerodynamics, though. Okay, well then... Simone Duresta. Duresta, okay, yeah. But they also lost Steiner. I wonder if Kamatsu said, okay, his first act was, let's start from zero, and we can always upgrade. No. No? Okay. That's what I want for next year. That's what he... Okay, that's what you think. The Gunther thing happened too late. Oh, okay. That make that does make sense. Like I said, and this will lead now into our next prediction about Kick Sauber. But I guess I need to make my prediction yes. on Haas. What do you? What is which your? Which is pretty clear. They're going to be tenth again. More more than likely. However, I'm going to go against the grain, and say because and now, like I said, this leads into my next one. Kick Sauber is going to be just as inept. They're going to be just as inept as they were before, because they haven't changed anything. Yeah, they have new owners, but is that really going to do anything? They still have the same mentality. The drivers still have the same mentality. And they don't seem to care. And you even said it on one, on one of the last podcasts. And you're right. I'm not arguing with you. You're saying they just kind of want to steady the ship until 2025. So, or 2026. So they, 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 they haven't rocked the boat in any way where they can challenge for eighth. But, like, they barely got 16 points. They barely beat Haas. Like, who says Haas can't usurp them? So, like, I'm going to predict 10th. I'm probably going to be wrong about this. But I, I just, I don't, Bottas doesn't care. And Joe doesn't have anything in him. He's, people forget he's kind of a Logan Sargent for China. Like, they wanted the Chinese market. They wanted someone who wasn't ready for Formula One. And they justified positions that he finished as if they were championship positions. Like, they were so happy he finished 10th on his first race when he was really 13th when three cars in front of him DNF'd. Great. You were there. You were in the position. Like you've said before, and you are right. When you're in the position to get points and you get points, good for you. Right. I'm not arguing that. I'm not saying it's the worst thing. What I'm saying is it doesn't justify him as a potential superstar. And if you don't, if you're not training someone who can't be a potential superstar, get rid of him. I don't disagree necessarily, but what I will say is out of 20 drivers on your debut, if you place 10th, there's something there. And it's unfair to say he's the Chinese Logan Sargent because when we look at the data, he is better than Logan. He deserves to be an F1 more than Logan does. That's not saying much. That's not saying much. I'm, I'm going to stand by that. I don't disagree with that either. But 
out of the people that are on the grid, I think there there are names that should go before he does. The Danish driver. Don't the, even want to give him his name. You don't even want to give him publicity. The German driver. Oh, wow. I would never... Wow, he, you think he, Joe deserves to be there before my nemesis? I do. And not necessarily because Joe is overly consistent, which those of you that listened to the last episode know that I prefer consistency over inconsistent good. And I'm the exact opposite. I would rather have someone come third once than 10th, 20 times. Anyway, go on. Right. And the way, the reason I say this is because Hulkenberg's had a decade, if not more, to prove his place. And sure, if a, if a low-budget team wants to take him, he's probably cheap. He might have the opportunity to score your points. If we're talking about Haas, pair him with Mick Schumacher, you'll probably get more than him and Magnussen. Absolutely. Yeah, that, let's hit that point from my last prediction. Magnussen's going to be gone after this year. I have no doubt about that. But yeah, go on. I hope he is. Mm-hmm. And go to the Instagram to see the analysis of why that is. It's pretty obvious after reading that, yeah. If you understand math and statistics, uh, not to diminish anything, but... I didn't make it idiot-proof for everybody. I, I thought it was pretty clear, and I'm not exactly... Says the mathematician. Fair enough. I should I should pump my tires more often, is what you're saying. Yeah, But thank you. But well, just any- understand that you're a fucking freak. <laughs> oh, I know that. <laughs> I think the sponsor of this podcast knows that. Anyways. Um, so, yeah. So, Joe deserves to be here more than Hulkenberg, in your opinion. I don't I look I don't hate any driver. I make really I don't cuz it sounded a lot like you did. It, I I know. I know. I I make point I hammer points home because I read media articles. I hate the media. Let's make that clear. I hate the media because they spin things to keep certain drivers on the grid. Hulkenberg as a driver, I have to admit isn't horrendous. Probably deserves to be there more than some of the drivers who are there. The point I'm I'm trying to make about Hulkenberg is that he's he's worshipped and pushed for higher positions for nothing. Joe, but Joe doesn't even have that. Joe doesn't even have that type of consistency. And so, yeah, let's finish your point on on Joe's consistency. You were going to say something like, "Yeah, you value consistency over high finishes." Joe has neither. But, yeah. <laughs> but Joe has neither. I don't necessarily think that he deserves to be there. I think from a team like Sauber, there's no reason to change what you have until you figure out what Audi's going to do. Now, Audi's not going to necessarily come out the gate and be amazing, but right now, you're worried about figuring out your balance sheets, making sure that you've got everything in place so that when Audi comes in, when the new engine regulations come in, when everything is there, you're ready to go. And and I imagine he has billions of Chinese dollars behind him. So that's probably what's enticing. Potential. At this point, yes. Yeah. I to, think, to your point, yeah. I don't know that it's enough money so that Audi comes in and keeps him. I think his career is dead in 2026. Oh, for oh, without a doubt. But I'm just saying, like, if Sauber can have that positive, like that green 
balance sheet, like you're saying. Like their cars? <laughs> Ugh. Which I will say, in testing, at night when the, the sun goes down and the lights come on, that car looks great. In a field of black cars, the neon green car looks fantastic. Okay, I'm I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to disagree with this. I was never a fan of the pink, and this neon green to me just looks gross. It's a terrible design. Like it's all right angles and nonsense, but the fact that there's fucking color on the thing is great. And like I'm saying, I brought up the pink to make a point. Color doesn't always necessarily mean beautiful to me. I hate the way the Alpine looks, and it's partially pink. It's partially mostly black, but partially pink. It's like black, blue, pink. Ugh. Alpine just missed the mark again. And I noticed too, just because Sean talked about this a lot last year, and I know we we're supposed to talk about this later, but holy shit, Alpine, do some laps <laughs> again. Like I was looking at the laps done, completed by Alpine, and it's like half of what everybody else did. I will say though, your favorite broadcaster. Mr. Will Buxton did put out there that this year they're approaching it differently. <laughs> Last year was, hey, we ran five laps. We're going to fucking win the championship. Unbelievable. This year it's, yeah, we've run some laps. Everything looks okay. We'll see what happens. Okay. Well, Followed by, wow, Gasly doesn't look comfortable in that fucking car. And Gasly's their better driver. Uh, y- yeah, okay. Well, you and I don't like Esteban Ocon. How, like, as a person. However, I would, I would rate Ocon's win better than Gasly's. I, I kind, I want to like Ocon. I do. Ocon won that race because everybody fucking pitted in a race where you can't overtake. Yes. No, I, I understand, but Gasly needed to, the last 10 laps to be completely chaotic to win his, whereas Alcon held the lead against Vettel. In a race like, where you could not overtake. It is impossible to overtake at the Hungaroring. Ring. Uh, impossible. That first straight line, Vettel should have had to go a couple times. I in think. an uncompetitive Austin Martin, which the only reason he was in that place is because Everybody fucking pitted. And then got disqualified. I forgot yes. about that. That's pretty hilarious. Um, it, it, it's, yeah, Which okay, he I don't want to get because he had less than a liter of fuel in the fucking car. Yeah. <laughs> so the only reason he was close to Ocon is because they were like partially, not cheating, but like they were just lucky. They were like, running at balls to the wall to try and fucking get a win. Yeah. Um, sorry. I like, I want to like Ocon. I really do. Because I like ballsy. Why? I, 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 I like ballsy drivers. I do. But he's not ballsy. He's a fucking jackass. He's an idiot. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm trying to make a point, but like as I talk it out, I'm like, oh, I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> Gasly is theoretically a better driver, had a better junior career, I think. And I don't like Gasly, and I'm saying that. I know. I, <laughs> I just think if Alcon ever got his shit together and recognized how ridiculous he was, I think he would be, he would be a lot better than Gasly. Gasly's arrogant in the way that he's never going to change. Alcon, if he changed, could be a lot better. But Ocon also won't change because he's Toto's lap boy. Uh, yeah, he. there's a lot of reasons why Ocon won't change. Anyways, we, we went right, way off topic, as so, usual. So, I'm going to make my prediction now. Kick. Yeah. I'm saying ninth. Yeah, it's. I think we're both... I think you're, you're more correct. 
technically because I took Haas ninth, which which well, I know is a stretch. Don't don't bow to what I'm saying. You've we're one place difference between the two teams. Stick to your fucking pick. I am. I'm saying what's more likely as a mathematician is you're per- personally correct at the moment. However, I think what I was the point I was trying to say is I think this is the ninth and tenth, no matter how it finishes. Because neither of them, sure. neither of them have given a shit about about the last two seasons. This is our Joker. One of us is going to be right. Yeah. And and it doesn't. Oh, wow. Yeah. Great. Great <laughs> reference. I like that. Yeah. Everybody rewatched The Dark Knight. It's always good. It's always good. It's never bad. Like, anyways. Anyways. Okay. So the the point I was trying to make is these are bad teams. They're going to be towards the bottom. I think Haas is ninth in them simply because the drivers, like Nico has something to prove. Magnussen has a lot to prove. That doesn't matter. He still sucks. But Bottas and Joe just, they're going to just skate along. And Bottas made a point. I have to bring this up. In an article towards the end of the season, he said, it makes sense for me to stick around with Audi. Why the fuck would Audi want you? You have done nothing but decline since leaving Mercedes. You've shown you can't build the team up. They're going to need someone who can build a team. They're going to need a Carlos Sainz. They're going to need a Mick Schumacher like they originally wanted. They're going to they're not going to need an Esteban Alcon, which is apparently the name being floated around, but they think they need an Esteban Alcon, which is a mistake. The point I'm trying to make is Valtteri, you can't just do nothing and expect to stay with a good a potentially good team. So I'll, I'll play devil's advocate there. Every team needs a second driver. Yeah, but but could he be a second driver to a to a Sainz? Does yeah. that pairing make sense? Sure, why not? Because I don't think Bottas is going to see himself as a second driver. It's it's about perception too. No, but we've talked about this. Bottas is retired. He's yeah. making millions to do fuck all. Yeah, it, it, okay, but I'll I'll play devil's advocate to that. If Sainz comes in and overshadows him in the first half, He's going to realize, oh, they're going to start talking shit about him. He's going to realize, oh, shit, I'm going to have to actually do work. And then you haven't done work for three years. But why? But why? Because they're going to, there's going to be calls, I think, finally to get rid of him. Sure. But he he's won't care. He's made millions. He lives in Finland. He doesn't do a whole lot. He's Li- got a winery. He's got all this other stuff going on. He lives in Australia. He's, in, he's a bogan to all my Australian listeners. Sure. <laughs> Honestly, I think Bottas has realized he doesn't necessarily need to be on the grid. He made a lot of money with Mercedes. He made a lot of money with Williams. He doesn't need to be there. He wa- he needs he wants to be there because he's racing and he loves to race. But ultimately, if he if he needs to play second fiddle to Sainz or to Mick Schumacher or to whoever the fuck ends up at Audi, which nobody, nobody can fucking tell because Audi doesn't even fucking know if they want to be there anymore. Yeah, I, I know. I've noticed that they, they can't make a clear and concise argument why they want to be there and who their drivers are going to be. They're giving not, us nothing. Well, no, the problem is the person that fucking started the F1 push at Audi left the fucking company (laughs) and the guy that's taking over that doesn't want F1 to be part of the strategy (laughs) anyway that's hilarious so Bottas is hoping he can skate by and make a few more million because frankly with the money that Bottas has made he doesn't need to work I I agree Raikkonen had that attitude at 36 though and Raikkonen's his hero I I, I see Raikkonen loves racing 
Yes, yeah, so does Bob. I imagine. Well, actually, not I as imagine. much as Raikkonen. Yeah. Raikkonen wanted nothing else than to be driving shit fast. Right? When he was racing for Ferrari, he would enter snowmobile races in Finland under the name James Hunt. That's fucking hilarious. Good because for you, Kimmy. Ferrari didn't allow him to do anything other than race F1. <laughs> Which is why he left F1 to go do rallies. That was before the Kubica rule, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah, so that's even more ridiculous. Yeah, anyways, go on. Yeah. And this is just it. Like, Raikkonen wanted to drive. Raikkonen doesn't want to do fucking anything but drive. He doesn't care about the politics. He doesn't care about anything. Which is why when Ferrari dumped him and Alpha picked him up, he just fuck, whatever. Give me a car, I'll drive. <laughs> yeah. What, you know. And this is, Bottas is the same but different. He, Bottas wants to be Raikkonen, but that's the point I'm trying to make, is you're not. You're not. So, like, if Raikkonen became what he became, which wasn't very good, because he didn't give a fuck, what are you, how bad are you going to be? No, but Bottas is a decent driver. But again, it's one of these, give him a good car and he'll drive it well. Correct. However, what, what I'm saying is, kick Sauber needs someone who can develop the car. For all the shit I gave Raikkonen over the years, and you've heard it, he actually could develop a car somewhat well, or at least overachieve with a bad car. Yeah, when he stopped yelling at in broken English at Italians. That's his favorite pastime, and I respect that. <laughs> a- anyways, I'm just, I'm just, the point I'm trying to make is I think Bottas thinks he's Raikkonen, and he's not. And definitely not. Definitely not, and and... It's, it's just going to become evidently clear in the next couple of years, if not this year. But yeah, anyways. But we've, we've, frankly, Bottas has had a long enough career. Obviously, if he can milk it for more than he needs to, great for him. If it ends when Audi comes in, I think he'll be happy. Of, of course. like To be honest, based on his on what he you saw in his career, he overachieved. He, well, he has 10 wins, right? Like... That's not that's not a small feat. Coulthard has thirteenth, and he's to me the best number two driver of all time. Danny Rick has eight. Cor- correct, but I th- I think Danny Rick has a few more in him. Let's that's that's to be continued. But anyways, we've kicked the kick Sauber, nice for too long. Who do we think comes eighth? Eighth last year was V Carb, barely. Alpha Tauri. Alpha Tauri. Now V-Carb. I, well, based on what you've talked about in testing, based on what you've talked about with everything that's been going on, I don't think sixth is out of their out of their realm. I don't think sixth is, is out of their realm. Whether they get it is, is tough. So I'll say this. Seventh. I think, I think they are going to get seventh. I think they're going to at least jump the Williams. You're going to call RB V-Carb seventh where they were eighth last year they're going to jump one place i i from under I, from what i'm understanding that they've copied the red bull there's a quite a bit of a jump potentially they haven't copied the red bull this year from, okay so they've copied last year's red bull which was immaculate they've taken a lot of influence from last year's red bull so has the rest of the grid mm-hmm. okay that's why well that's why i'm saying like six is not out of the realm but their highest finish ever, I think, is Alpha Tauri or even Toro Rosso. I think has only ever been fourth. They're not getting fourth this year. It's going to be tough to beat Austin Martin and Alpine, even though, as I'm about to get to, those are two 
inept organizations. And I know that's a bold statement. So that's why I think I'm going to play it safe and call them seventh. I, I think seventh is there. I think, I know this is an easy take to take that Danny Rick is going to be the number one driver. He's going to usurp Yuki Sonoda. I want to say this for all the shit I've given Yuki. He, his last six, seven races, he was excellent. He did everything they needed to do. He even made mistakes and they still got a lot of points. So if both of them are on it, and I don't think necessarily Yuki's going to be on it all year, but I could be proven wrong. So I'm going to, I'm going to give him seventh, maybe even a sixth, but I'll stick with my seventh for my prediction. I think Danny Rick is also going to have a decent enough season where they're going to want to consider him for the Red Bull seat. But you made an excellent point a couple of weeks ago where you said, now that Hamilton moved to Ferrari, that might be out of the realm of possibilities. But either way, Danny Rick is going to be looked somewhere from his performances this year. I'll give him seventh. I don't disagree. I would think that they're going to finish higher than what you think they are. I would. Well, I to, let me just say this. I would hope they do too. I like both those. I like at least Danny Rick a lot. What I think is going to happen is Yuki realizes he's not in it for the long run. He's not going to be an Alonzo. He's not going to have a 12, 13, 14, 15 year career, whatever the fuck it is. He's been lucky to have four. And frankly, he's gotten a lot better. And this goes into Franz Tost and how much of a great manager Franz Tost is. He's, he's the best. He's done a fuck ton for Yuki, and Yuki would not have had two seasons in F1 if it wasn't for Franz. Mm-hmm. Um, keep in mind, but, sorry, just keep in mind the list of drivers that have come through him. It's Vettel, Vers, uh, Verstappen, uh, Ricardo. It's Sainz. Sainz, just, yeah. It's, it's The list goes on and on. Kvyat, it's... Everybody who's gone through a Red Bull seat has come through France. And those of you who have access to the F1 app, there is a France Toss documentary that just released on the F1 app because he retired. He is by far one of the best management talents I have seen in F1. It's impressive. And <laughs> there's a really funny clip in the documentary about it's a press conference where they're talking to Lewis Hamilton. He says, Franz Toss thinks F1 drivers shouldn't make any more than $10 million a year. Right. And Lewis Hamilton goes, who said that? Franz Tost. Who's that? He had no fucking idea who ran the Toro Rosso team. <laughs> and keep in mind, we're talking about a driver in Lewis Hamilton who is rumored to be making $100 million in this Ferrari contract, which is at most two years. Okay, uh, with with sponsorship and everything at Mercedes, I have ima I imagine he's made close to a billion in these ten years. No, he's he's definitely not worth that much. He has an apartment in New York no, City that's defunct. No, no. He is not worth that much because he is investing in sports teams in the U.S. and in Europe, where he doesn't have enough liquid cash to do it on his own. He is not worth that much. Okay, that's fair. But yeah, but I guess yeah, that speaks more to the debt society we have these days. Where Lewis Hamilton owns a hundred and fifty million dollar uh, apartment in New York City, he's trying to sell that no one wants to buy. That's I just know that, and, right? But yeah. Because he owns it doesn't mean it's worth that. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. right. Anyways, and don't get me wrong, Lewis Hamilton has a fuck ton of money. The guy drives whatever fucking car he wants, 
to a restaurant and then pays a tow truck to pick it up and drive it back to where he parks it. That's really funny. Um, I want to add one thing about Toast. You want to know who started his career? Where he started? Want to guess? I know, but I've been into the wild turkey a bit too much. Jordan. We were talking about this last week. Of all the people he started. That's not wrong. He was also at Sauber when it was BMW. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's why he liked Nico, yep. Nico Rosberg, too. There you yeah, go. Yeah. And, listen, I have no German roots whatsoever. I've just worked for a lot of Germans. And Toast is Austrian, which <laughs> Close is enough. the other German race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other white meat, essentially. Yeah, go on. Thank you for saying it. I didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately... His approach to everything that I've heard, I can't disagree with. When it comes to young talent, developing talent, it just works. His worth ethic is impeccable. He doesn't take Christmas off because why does it matter? Wow. Which my specific neurodivergence is, yeah, I was raised with Christmas being a specific event. But when I look at it from an empirical standpoint, it doesn't make any fucking sense to take it off. It doesn't. No, no. Okay, from a completely non-emotional stance, yes. However, like that that time that you could be spending with family, if you had that emotional brain. He's an older gentleman. His family's grown. It's him and his wife, and his wife doesn't seem to care. He's gone for whatever the F1 season is, 25, 26 weeks a year. We, I have to say this, but we got to talk in right at the beginning. I was going to say we just talk about random shit. That is a Dr. House type of statement that you just said right there. Like, why does that, why do we need to take Christmas off? And I say this because House was just recently put on Netflix and I've been rewatching it and I see his facial structures and I'm like, that's Sean. I'm friends with Sean. I'm Wilson. I've been noticing this. We've actually had this relationship for a while and I just want to put it out there. I have three children between six and zero. Mm-hmm. I absolutely understand why we take Christmas off, and I want my Christmases off to spend with the children. But yeah. that being said, when my children are in their 20s and they've moved out and they've had their own families, like, Toss is not a young man. Mm-hmm. He's well into his 60s. Yeah, probably close to his 70s if he's going to retire. Yeah. 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 Uh, mind you, he's in Europe, so probably less than we would anticipate here in North America. Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, that's fair. I, if I'm at that stage and my wife and I are comfortable and everything else, yeah, why would I take Christmas off? I'll take a day or two, whatever. But Francis is even saying he doesn't take Christmas Day off. Jesus Christ. Apparently, when it came to Alpha Tower the last couple of years and Orlin, their main sponsor, and if you look at the car this year, Orlin is a big fucking sponsor. Mm. Um, that deal was apparently negotiated on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, whatever the fuck it was. The guy is in the office constantly. His work ethic is nothing else. Mm. And frankly, I admire his wife. If you put up with him for that long with that mentality, great. S- some women just know going in that that's my husband. I think that's probably the case. And that's that's my point. If that's yeah. the case, you've found the right person. Yeah. Because there are many people that would not put up with that. Well, Jordan talks too about his wife being like that in the sense she was like, 
the marriage probably wouldn't have lasted if I didn't travel as much. And and but she understood. Yeah, but that's but the she, thing. she yeah. understood he was not going to be around. I don't yeah. have to deal with this fucker for twenty something weeks a year. <laughs> I only got to live with him for six months. Yeah. That's the key. I've noticed over the years, just not to get too off topic, but that's the key to successful marriages is like you're separate from for periods of time. Funny enough, long lasting relationships, very few when you're around each other for like 50 years last. But yeah, anyways, so Toast gave Yuki to circle back. Toast gave Yuki everything he has right now. So you think Yuki's going to have another good season. I think Yuki will be the pinnacle of consistency that he has been. If he is, I'll shut my mouth about him. Because I, that's what they need out of him. If we go back to the conversation of mean and standard deviation, Yuki is an 11th place mean with a standard deviation of like 2. You see, and yeah, that means nothing to me. But if you are, like you said a team principal, um, a CEO. You're like, I need consistency. So he has it. So then he has it then is what right. you're saying. Yeah. But this is, if he's an 11th place finisher mean with a standard deviation of two, he's between 9th and 13th. And 13th. For 95% of his finishes in a 24, cal- 24 race calendar. That's like 40 something odd points. That puts them pretty high up right seventh and then you have danny rick who is an average let's say eighth i don't know that this is right i have to look at my sheets but let's say he's eighth but his standard deviation is like five so he could get a third he could get a 13th right yeah but and if a couple thirds randomly out of nowhere is going to help alpha tori or sorry v carb massively this year right so that's just it you've got your number one driver in Danny Rick, who's going to get you up there, maybe get you a podium, maybe on the outskirts of it, get you a win. But at the same time, he's going to finish 19th. And you see, I'm okay with that? I'm okay with it too. Mm -hmm. Because I go in knowing the stats. And I think that's where France Toast was. Correct. But you've also got Yuki, who who France has worked with, to say, you're going to finish 10th. And you're going to finish 10th more or less every fucking time. Mm. And you think that's now ingrained in his head? Yes. Okay. So then, okay, I just have one question before we move on. Do you think Yuki outscores Danny Rick this year? I don't. Yeah, neither. Well, neither do I. I was hoping for like a bold statement, but you know, you're too smart. So, But this brings me now to my prediction for V-Carb. And I'm going to go very bold and I'm going to say fifth. Wow. Wow. Okay, so that means they're above, I'm guessing, they're above Aston Martin and Alpine. Above Alpine, 100%. Oh, man, I'm loving where this conversation's going. <laughs> Not above Aston Martin. Wow. Oh, I think I know where it's going now. I think I know who drops down in your mind. Oh, I'm... Let's go. Keep it going. Okay. Williams is next. Okay. So, Williams finished 7th last year. Okay, I want to make one point before we get into our prediction. You made an excellent point in my... Because I broke all my rules with Alex Albon. I said Alex Albon probably makes a lot of sense for that Mercedes. Until you brought up the stats and you realized... I made, You made me realize I broke my rules. Albon is doing great in that Williams. 
but is it because his teammates are so inept, which is the point you brought up? So is he that good? Yes. We, we're going to find out this year. Empirically, yes. Empirically, right he is now. that good. Okay, empirically right now, he is that good. But I think we're going to find out more this year if whether he has the potential to be even greater or not. I do think, however, Sargent's going to go nowhere. And the we both agree that V-Carb is going to get a lot better. So I think eighth is their I think eighth is their ceiling this year. That's my prediction. I think they're going to finish eighth. They finished seventh last year, right? Yes. So you're saying they take a step down? Yes, I know. It's it's only because yeah, Kick and Haas are inept. They're going to beat them. I don't like even if like because Albin. The point I was trying to make is Albin his sevenths aren't anything special in my opinion. As I've gone off on several therapy sessions. However, I do see a lot of potential in him, and I do like him, and that's clouding my judgment to the point where, like, we can't, they're not going to take a step up this year, I don't think. I understand they have the vowels. I think they now have a floor in the sense that of eighth for the next little while where they one day could make a big step. We, you and I talked about last week where some, Albon is better off one day waiting to bring Williams up to potentially third. But that's still a ways away. And I don't think it's this year. I don't think they make a major step this year. I think eighth is in, in the cards. Okay. Frankly, you are entirely wrong. Wow. This is not a I disagree. You're just fucking wrong. <laughs> Why? Um, based on what I've seen in testing, Logan Sargent's incompetent. Mm-hmm. He'll score three, four, maybe five points. You don't think zero? No, he'll score something because the car is taking a massive step. Wow. Okay. Albon is extremely well respected in Williams and the grid as a whole. See him in testing yesterday. So he ran yesterday. He came out in the interviews. And they were asking questions. Okay, so, you know, Williams hasn't had great luck. We've had, you know, Albin had a fuel pump issue that stopped them on track. They had to bring the car back, whatever. He came out in that interview and basically he didn't look too confident in Williams' performance. Which would make you think that maybe they've taken a step back. Maybe they're going to go from 7th to 8th like Nick has suggested. Mm Mm-hmm. Frankly, what I think it says is Albin expected to come out with a car that was fucking phenomenal. Oh, okay. A car that would have gone from seventh to fourth. But ultimately... That rarely happens anyway. Yeah, rarely happens. But ultimately, he's come out and said, hey, this car hasn't met my expectations. Not in the sense that it doesn't make sense. In the sense that everybody else ran flawlessly. There was not a single problem across the grid, except for Williams. Okay. So, Albin was kind of downbeat during his interviews. But I guarantee you, he gets in that car, and come race day, he is the same, if not better, than what he was in Bahrain last year. He, Bahrain last year, he finished where? I think it was 11. I can't remember. 
Listen, I, the whole point of my discussion was not because Albin's inept. No, I, yeah, I, 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 I think I think he's I think he's a great driver. And I think he's going to push Williams to the heights eventually. I just think last year there was three inept teams. Sure, behind them. Yeah. Anyways, go on. But what I'm getting at is the questions that were asked to him were along the lines of: Is the car better? Right, because the Williams car last year and for the last couple of years was lightning bolt down the streets, mm-hmm. but you put it into a fucking corner and it was useless. Yeah, and his comment was basically, "It's better in the corners." Okay, that's a big deal. It's better in the corners, but it was very clear, and he even said this in the interview and corrected himself. It's got its problems, but wait, it's not problems. It's intricacies or however he termed it right so he took a step back he's like wait it's not that it's wrong it's that i'm used to this and i've got to figure out this new car right okay so the car has taken a step in my mind as far as i've seen it interpreted everything the car has taken a step now he's got to say okay the car has gotten better what do I need to do to make this car work? Because it's no longer about as soon as I put my foot down, this car is going to go bullet straight, extremely fast down the straight. Mm-hmm. It's better in the corners. I need to figure out how to make this car do what I want in the corners. How to keep momentum, how to keep it faster at the yes. track. Yes, okay. Which is not what he's had to do for the last two years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay. So I think maybe where we're in disagreement is I don't think he's going to figure that out right away. That's going to take time for him, I feel. Sure. Whereas you think he might figure that out right away. No, I don't think he's going to figure it right away. Hmm. But in a 24-race calendar, this is not a 12-race number. It's not the 90s, 16 races. Yeah, you will have a limited amount of time. Yeah, you right. have a lot of time now. Okay. I think, again, by Japan, he figures this out. So I'm going to say that Williams is sixth. That's a bold, bold statement. Okay. There's two teams I know that are going to be low in your in your mind, but and we'll talk about them soon. We're coming up on them. Williams six is 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 a big deal because that implies that Logan Sargent's three or four points is enough to put him there, and it also means you think Albin's going to get close to hundred. Because because you have to think about that because Alpine yeah, got one hundred and twenty. Sure. So my sixth place is factoring in about five to ten points for Sargent. Okay, that's fair. Twenty-four and like you, you brought up and you've brought up a variable in this discussion that I didn't think of, which is the time and the length of the calendar. It, it, and you're absolutely right. It that does mean a lot, I think, this year. And I didn't, I didn't really think about that. I just assumed that it was going to kind of be status quo throughout the twenty-four race like it didn't really mean anything that there was extra races i no i disagree a hundred percent we're gonna see imla come back Imola is an interesting race because it is a very in-between track it's got its extremely high speed corners it's got its extremely actually now that i'm thinking about it it's a very high-speed track. It is, yeah. No, it definitely is. And actually, uh, it's I was not Monza-worthy. No, no, no. But I was going to say, Williams has actually uh, historically been really good at Imola. 
at all times, yeah. even, even as the, even in their down downfall. I mean, Amelis killed a lot of good drivers, but wasn't wasn't going to go there. But thanks for going there. Thanks. But yeah, I, I feel yeah. that that does factor into it. Okay. This prediction of yours also implies. So now this will segue into our next prediction. Williams is going to be better than Alpine, in your opinion. William, Alpine, in your opinion, is going to be so bad they're going to finish seventh or eighth, or they can finish first. We haven't gotten that far. Well, we're we're getting there now. Is there anything else you want to talk about with Williams? I think we kind of no. Williams yeah. is done. My mind. Yeah, Williams is there. I I think they only take a step back because three teams were inept, and this year only two. I think Vicar figured something out. I I was conservative in my estimate. Be simply because I don't think Alpine is going to take any step back this year. I think they're going to be exactly where they were. And they probably are going to get more points, but that doesn't mean anything. They're not going to catch the teams in front of them. So what does that mean for you? What's your prediction for Alpine? Actually, actually, as I say that, I have to change my mind. I have to correct myself right there because I was going to make a bold, bold prediction about Alpine. Alpine comes fifth. Five. Wow. They're the five. Because the sixth place team to me is gonna be I have a big rant about that. Alpine is not necessarily gonna get much better, but I think they're gonna they have two decent enough drivers that they're gonna get just consistent points. They'll land a fifth, in my opinion. Okay. What do you think well, about Alpine? On that bombshell, let's go to the billing department. Okay. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, we're back from our pee break. All right, so I dropped... I thought the, we were back from the, the billing department. Yes, correct. I was wrong. <clears throat> anyway. So Alpine, I, I dropped the bombshell that they were fifth. Where do you think Alpine's going to be? We're in this tricky midfield pack, and I'm going to say, frankly, Alpine at best... Seventh. Wow. I you see that that's I think your hatred for Alpine blinding you in a bit in a, in a sense because. But this is wrong. You think that I hate Alpine because why? Because they're arrogant. They're now the French Ferrari. You have always hated Ferrari on principle. You've been right about that, by the way. But what is Alpine? It's Renault. And what is Renault? I don't know. Past that. <laughs> Renault. Is a French manufacturer of cars, engines, everything else. I but love who, the Clio. Who are they? I love the Clio too. <laughs> but why? Why do I love the Clio? Who is Renault partnered with? Nissan. Ah, okay, that's why you like Renault. In or those those cars. Yes. Renault is partnered with Nissan, and frankly, I think everything good that Renault has done is not because of Renault being a French company and Renault being Renault. Renault. Everything good that Renault has done has become part of the amalgamation of Nissan. Now, I may be a bit biased. My father has bought Nissans for the last 20 years. Prior to that, he was into the 1970s buying Nissan, buying Datsuns. I just want to say this. The Infiniti G35 was the best car I've ever driven, at least uh, from the low sample I've had. And the Nissan Juke, I adored it for some reason. But yeah, go on. I was going to say, you haven't driven many cars then. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. The G-Series cars from Infinity are fantastic. Yes. 
the Clio V6, for those that can remember back to that day, is a Nissan engine, the 3.5, the VQ 350, in a Renault hot hatch. It was basically a two-seat hot hatch with a Nissan V6 crammed in the back of it. It's fantastic. I have an inherent affinity for Renault and Alpine. Because Alpine back in the day was the rally car. The mm. uh, Alpine A, I'm going to get this wrong, A5 was a dedicated car. It was a rally car. My dad loved this car. We, I grew up worshipping this thing. Alpine to me is a great company. The Alpine F1 team hasn't gotten over its lack of inability to move forward. That's fair. And the fact that they've gone full French, Alpine is based in Enstone. Okay, that's and, fine. And like you They're said, in England. mainly designed by Nissan too. No, Nissan has nothing to do with their F1 team. And that might hmm. be the problem. Okay. The Japanese have shied away from F1, with the exception of Honda, obviously. But even they had their struggles. Renault is based in Vire, which in France, Vire, I'm sorry, my French. Vire? I'll let Nick butcher that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's where they make all the Renault engines, all the Alpine engines, sorry, Mm. which frankly, Alpine only provides to themselves now. They don't have any customer teams. So you would think that they'd be fucking good. Because they only have to focus on themselves. Yeah, they used to have how many teams back in the day? I know Williams, Renault, like it was a million. It was a million of them. But yeah, at the least they used to provide themselves in Red Bull. Mm -hmm. Red Bull, Lotus, two Lotus teams. Yeah, there was a bunch. Yeah, right. But ultimately, they've they're now petitioning everybody to say, "Hey, we need extra work because our engine isn't competitive." Why the fuck is it competitive? Mm Yeah, I was going to ask you. It's been the same engine regulations 2016. You you were mentioning something to do with their aerodynamics earlier and talking about um, they were trying to get more power. Do you think so that you don't think they got any more power? It's it's proven. The rest of the team shut them down. There's no balance of performance. There's no nothing. Their engine is their engine. The rules are pretty clear. You can't change the engine. The engine is frozen until 2026. That being said, if you find reliability improvements, you can change the engine. But it has to be reliability. Which mm, well, Alcon did have a lot of reliability problems last year. Renault in general has had a lot of reliability problems. The problem is, A lot of people think reliability doesn't breed performance, but it does. As someone who is a reliability engineer, I deal with reliability on a day-to-day basis. I have to prove that if I want to change something, it's going to give me the same performance. And in the automotive industry, it's pretty clear what that performance needs to be. So if I want to take cost out of something, I got to prove that it performs the same or better as it did. And you don't and think it did. 
And this is something that Renault hasn't been able to do. Hmm. That make, kind of makes me want to change my prediction, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. we got to probably get moving on this. But um, because I think the team that takes a step back next year. So you're, you're locking in Renault as seventh or Alpine as seventh. I'm locking in Renault at, or sorry, Alpine as the team that takes a step back. Yes. Okay. I noticed you don't have an eighth place team there yet. And I'm very intrigued to see who that is because I kind of wanted to put this team around there. They finished fifth last year. And I think they are going to finish sixth this year. And this is a bold statement because everybody is thinking the exact opposite way about Austin Martin. I think I think they come sixth this year. And on this, I'm going to make an even bolder statement. I think Lance Stroll scores more points than he did last year. I think the problem is going to be in Fernando Alonso. And I know this is bold, but I have a lot to talk about here. Everywhere he's gone, he's made his team worse. Except, funny enough, Renault. He can't get much worse. <laughs> well, I'm not talking. I'm talking Renault in the early 2000s. I'm not talking about Renault in 2020, 2021. When they had nobody to compete against. In, in, yeah, that was that was going to be the crux of my argument. To call Alonso the Matador was very astute because they had to stab, beat, and starve Michael Schumacher to win an inch the bull to within an inch of his life and then throw him into the ring against the matador and if you anybody knows bullfighting this is how bullfighting works you have to bring the bull towards death in order for the matador to beat them who does this awkward dance yeah sorry i was going to say i don't know that nick understands what he's talking about but actually frankly he's right on it this is probably the most intelligent analogy i've heard from nick in two decades <laughs> thanks <laughs> this i'm very passionate about because and this i'm going to give a shout out to my father too because he he saw this from day one as well which frankly eddie mccarley is i would take eddie mccarley as a co-host over nick he's he's an engineer of course you would but anyways they had to bring schumacher to within an inch of his life in order for alonso to win and by that, I mean the tire change rule in 2005, the notorious one where after four years of trying to change the rules to stop Michael Schumacher, they couldn't. And they finally just said, hard stop. You can't develop your tires. And this is a time where teams could could develop tires year to year. Because you had more than one tire manufacturer. Exactly, yes. And that's how Alonso won in 2005. And then 2006, they, they stopped that rule so that Ferrari could compete again because it became clear how bad Ferrari was in 2005. It would, it would essentially be comparable to the sense that people are tired of Verstappen winning. So they say, okay, Red Bull can only use the hard tire for all of 2024 or 2025. And people would be like, that's fucking ridiculous. Of course, Verstappen can't compete. Could be fun. It could. 2005. Frankly, I think he might be able to compete. If you weren't a sh- like, you see, I'm emotionally biased towards Schumacher, and if you weren't, 2005 was a great season for people who didn't give a shit about Michael Schumacher. It was like in from a numbers perspective, from a viewing perspective, from a title fight perspective, it was better than 2004. It was. However, just because you killed the bull doesn't make you anything exceptional. Like the Matador is is not that exceptional. He has to bring the bull within an inch of his life. 
It that, was half dead before he got there. Exactly. That's the only reason Alonso won 2005. The only reason he won 2006 is because Ferrari was a year and a half behind in development, which Schumacher caught them mid-season. If you look at 2006, which I did look at recently, Schumacher had one win in the first half and then six in the last half. Hmm. And was beaten Alonso until Japan, where he was about to win the championship and DNF'd in the last 10 laps. Because you want to guess why, Sean? Why is that? Uh, Ferrari engine blew up. I'm so shocked. I will say, though, the Japanese track is a beast of a fucking track. Of, of course it is. but you It would... is not a tilke track. Yeah, and you talked about that in the therapist session. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the OGs. It hasn't really changed, has it? It is a phenomenal track. I love it. Yeah. And frankly, it is one of the only figure eight tracks we have. It crosses over itself. Yes, in um, it's from not not the Senes. Senes is Brazil, but it's a part where it's very famous. Two very famous parts. It's right after the Degners. You go under the bridge, mm -hmm. and then it crosses over itself. Yes, and I okay Suzuka. I don't think is ever going to leave. I hope at least. I hope it does not. Frankly, if anything, I want two races in Japan. I want Fuji and Suzuka. That would be nice. And you know what? That's, that is a racing culture. Why not? If there's going to be fucking four if the Chicago Grand Prix, please don't do that. <laughs> please no, don't they, do They that. won't do it. I hope, but, I hope not. Anyways. I love Japanese cars. I love Japanese racing. Yes. If anything, I want more Japanese races than I do American races. Yes. Get... Either keep three American and have two Japanese. Just don't add a fourth American and cut a Japanese Grand Prix in Suzuka, please. Absolutely. We we beg like, you. Anyways, the Japan whole Japan has so many. Like, the Super Formula season is so short. How many races is it? I eight, don't know. Eight to ten or something like some. It's not large. Mm -hmm. But we talk about Autopolis. We talk about Suzuka. We talk about Fuji. We talk about. They're all there. Yeah. yeah, these are all tracks that we don't race in F1. Mm -hmm. You get Suzuka. In the odd occasion, you might get Fuji. Sebastian Vettel said, hey, if Fuji comes back in the calendar, I'll be there. Wow. We don't get Fuji. He might right? He might still come back. He's kind of he, leaning towards He won't. Anyway, sorry. Let's, yeah, let's not get off topic. But Anyways, yeah, I'm bringing up this whole thing about Alonso. Because the point is, he's the most, one of the most overrated drivers of all time. And that, I know that's bold, and I know it's going to piss a lot of people off. I don't give a shit. He's not a two-time champion, in my mind. To me, he's a... Clearly not, he is, because he has two championships. I'm trying to make a point. You are correct. Theoretically and literally, yes, he is a two-time champion. Empirically, Empirically, I'm correct. Yes, I Let's know. Let's put it that way. I understand that. What I'm trying to say is, in my mind, if there was no fuckery in F1, which I, that's a long shot in my mind for there never to be <clears> fuckery again. Can we describe fuckery? The elites and the boardroom of Formula One messing with the rules is always going to happen. I need to get over this. I do. Sean has been telling me for 15 years to get over it. I'm almost there. However, in Am conversation... Am I a figment of his imagination or not? <laughs> yeah. I, I, have an, I have another character for next week. I wanted to save it for next week. We're going to have a producer next week, guys. But there's going to be many figments of my imagination in this podcast is what I'm getting at. We'll never know if Sean is a victim in my imagination or not because there's going to be a million of them. Anyways, in my mind, he is never, he is not a champion to me. He is someone who was right place, right time. Much like a matador. Much like a matador, he needs a specific set of rules and regulations in order for him to beat the bull. 
He has never won since that 2006 season, which was not because of him. It was because of the ineptitude of Ferrari. Michael Schumacher brought that team back from the dead again, twice, and almost won his eighth championship, if not for a DNF in Japan. That was that whole point we got off about Japan and Suzuka and all that. I, I still love, to me, the old Hockenheim is the best track ever, and it's never coming back. I got to get over that. I'll give you that. Hockenheim, Hockenheim is... Yeah. You're talking about the old Hockenheim, not the new one, though, right? Hockenheim is Hockenheim. Both, either one. Okay. I, You know what? The new one isn't that bad. I just, I love that long, the million long straight one. that Which is frankly the same length as Miami, as yeah. Las Vegas. Las Vegas, as Las Vegas is Hockenheim. This is the modern day Hockenheim. Yeah, anyways. And Baku, you're right. Point I was making with Alonzo, this whole history lesson. He always goes backwards. Always. And he blames the team around him, much like Lewis Hamilton. He blames everybody. He doesn't blame himself. And then he jumps ship to a better team because the media worships him. The team principals worship him. Eddie Jordan thinks he's a potential six-time champion. Eddie, you're better than that. What did you want to say, Sean? What I'll say is everything about Alonzo. Sorry, refresh me here. Where were you going with this? I'm going in the sense that he's he's he always goes backwards with teams. Yes. Alpine, they brought in Ocon with Alonso. Alonso immediately had all these fucking problems. Mm-hmm. When you look back further than that, Honda McLaren, yes. Jensen Button, Alonso, both champions. Yes. Terrible engines. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why Honda didn't work with McLaren. I know that. I don't think it's worth going into detail here. But ultimately, McLaren misstepped. Red Bull, Nui, whoever saw the benefit, worked with Honda to create what they are today. Mm-hmm. Fine. There's a massive gap in what can be done and what should be done. What should be done is what Red Bull did. What can be done is what McLaren did. Mm. McLaren Honda, you're talking. Yes. Okay. They shit the bed horribly. But when you look at it, and this is part of my analysis that I did, Alonso has a history of finishing high, let's call it podium, or not finishing. Mm-hmm. Not at that McLaren, but yeah, but I understand sure. what you're saying, yes. And when I look at it and I start looking at the data and when I look at Alonso and his time at McLaren Honda, he's complaining about GP2 engine, GP2 engine. This is fucking bullshit, whatever. That's such a good point because he said the exact same thing this year, 2023. Sure. Yeah, sorry. Anyways, go ahead. Alonso, when you look at his early career, it was finish high or not finish. He went to Minardi. It was finish or not finish. Sure, Minardi was shit. Really bad, yeah. And then it was finish high or not finish. Alonso is a very, let's say, Spanish driver, Latin temper. Mm-hmm. He's which is sporadic, yeah. What it comes down to is, I have a firm belief after looking at the data that Alonso could have done better with Honda and McLaren. 
if he had actually tried. Alonso is one of these drivers where if he's not given what he wants, he acts like a fucking baby. Well said. Austin Martin, I think they pay him well enough that, you know, you saw this last year where, oh, tell Lance I'm not fighting him. <laughs> Lance is eighth. Fernando's ninth. He, Fernando can easily place eighth or better. He's like, you know what? I'm going to take my millions. Yes. He's very conniving. Or I yeah. guess that's not the right word, but yeah. And this is the annoying part because he could be better than he is. And it pains me to say it, but if he had shut the fuck up, he could have been better than he was. Because I see, that's where I will always disagree. But yeah, the Japanese, on. the Japanese are very conservative people. They don't like to be made a fool of. Oh yeah. And when he came out and said, "GP2 engine, I've never raced anything worse than this." Whatever. They took it personally. They did take it personally. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with Japanese in my career. I think I've mentioned it here before where I work in the automotive industry. I've worked with Japanese companies. It is a very different working relationship than with the Americans. Like Most of my career has been with American companies, but I have a lot of experience working with Japanese companies as well. Mm -hmm. And my approach changes when I work with Japanese versus Americans. The Japanese... I know that if I don't get what I'm asking for, I tell them, this is what I need. And they give that information to me. You, you show them respect, it sounds like. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Whereas Alonzo wasn't showing them respect. Right. The Japanese come to me and say, hey, this doesn't work. I say, yes, this is why this doesn't work. This is how we can fix this. That's not what Alonzo did. Mm-hmm. Alonso just came out and said, hey, GP2, GP2, never yeah. raced an engine worse in my life. That same engine, a year later, you and I were at the Grand Prix in 2018 when, I don't know if you recall this, but we were standing in line trying to get to our seats in Montreal. And the guys in front of us were saying, oh, the Toro Rosso, which at the time it was Toro Rosso running Honda engines and... Red Bull running Renault engines. I remember that, yeah. Sounds like a bag of spanners. Yeah. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about that. Good memory. Yeah. You listen to it now, and everybody complains about the sound of these fucking engines. I love them. I love it. Yeah, sure, it's not a high-pitched whine, but I'm 80% deaf <laughs> for other reasons than being motorsport. Mm -hmm. I don't care how loud a fucking engine is. What does it sound like? It did sound very nice, to your point. Yeah, it did. But one thing that came out was 2018, the Toro Rosso having a Honda engine, and the guy in front of me saying, that sounds like a bag of fucking spanners blowing up. <laughs> it's like, yes, it does. Do you know why it sounds like a bag of spanners? Definitely, he did not know why. It's called Skipfire. You know how long Skipfire has been around? I want to say since the 50s. If it's Honda? World Rally Championship in the 1970s. Okay. Well, 50 years. There you go. The idea was you skip the firing mechanism of the, the spark plugs. 
when you don't need to be on power, you skip the firing sequence. This is not new. F1 had this in the 70s. F1 also had blown diffusers in the 70s. F1 has tried everything and anything, and they all come back to this. And frankly, McLaren was, this is our narrow operating window. We want you to perform this way. And Nui said, Nui with Red Bull, said, hey, we're going to have Honda? Okay, this is what a chassis looks like. This is what everything else looks like. Fit within this. So McLaren boxed Honda in. Nui said, go wild. Yes. And you got the 2021. Yes. Red Bull. Yeah. And now, sorry, just going back to this. Now, when you look at every other car in testing for the last two, three years at least, every other team is using skip fire. Every other team sounds like a bag of fucking spanners. <laughs> if I don't know if you recall this, but we were sitting at the hairpin in 2018 with Stoffel Van Dorn on the track. We saw, we saw Stoffel retire right in front of us. Mm-hmm, I remember that, yeah. And people were complaining these cars don't sound good. They don't do anything. This is bullshit. These cars sound... We heard them from two miles away. Mm-hmm. The only reason we found the track on Friday practice is because we heard the fucking cars and we went to it. I remember that. Sorry for, sorry for fucking up the maps as usual. Um... <laughs> But that, yeah, and I want to I want to add to that point. A lot of people don't understand that Formula One is a development um, league as much as it is a racing league. So when you hear stuff like that, don't get discouraged because they're learning things. If it's not doesn't sound good, also it's going to help that team going forward if they get it right. Like you said, Newey understood that McLaren didn't. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. And so what? It doesn't sound like a V twelve. It's half the fucking cylinders. The point you're trying to make, or I think you're trying to say 50% less cylinders. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a V12, but it does sound like a V8. Anyways. Oh, no, it was V6 in 2018. You're right. It's currently a V6. Yeah, it's current, and it was in, and then too, yeah. Um, the point you're trying to make is Alonzo was the problem at McLaren in a lot of ways. Yes. Okay, so that adds to my point. And I think that's why they're going to finish a step back. I think actually Stroll gets more consistent this year. I think Alonzo... Steps back, starts blaming the team because he sees the open spot in Mercedes, which he's not necessarily going to get. And Total Wolf, if you're listening, do not give it to him. He's worse than Hamilton. And if Hamilton can figure it out, you're just going to create a cancer in your organization. What I'll give you is, yes, you're right. Don't fuck it up. Don't don't rock the boat too much because you want to get that position at Mercedes. Toto's never going to give him the fucking position. I hope not. Absolutely fucking not. Just like Red Bull won't fucking give him the position. There's absolutely no way he goes to the top team. No, no. But And I know Verstappen's angling for it. He wants to race with Alonso. Yeah, do it in fucking Le Mans. No. Yeah. Verstappen's not going to fucking race with Alonso. It sounds like he wouldn't mind it. Maybe that's just the way of him, how he says it. But I'm just I'm just saying, yeah, he likes a, Fernando. He says, oh, I'd love to see Fernando win like he did last year, but I would rather win, which is typical Max. But that's a very passive-aggressive statement. I'd like to see Alonzo win. It's a come at me, bro. That's what that is. That's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. I was actually thinking Max was 
being human for a bit, but no. you're right. He's not human. Max is not human. He's a fucking cyborg. He's a cyborg. He was bred by Yoss. And to Yoss be nothing better than a cyborg. Exactly. He, he, Yoss chose his wife not out of love to produce the How, best. Which one of his wives? Oh, he's had two? He's tried to murder several. God, we got to have a whole episode on Yoss for stabbing. <laughs> Yoss, is, Yoss is a creature. He's a creature. Okay, yeah. Anyways, the point I'm trying to make is... Austin takes a step back. It's Fernando's fault. That's why I think they. Where does Austin? Where does Austin place? I already said, did I not? I nope. said, I said, okay, Austin's gonna finish behind Alpine, which is sixth. Where okay. do you think? Uh, I've already given sixth away. I don't have an eighth, so that doesn't wow. feel right. That does not feel right. I, I thought you. I thought you were no. gonna give it to Ferrari. No, no, the eighth. no. no <laughs> I, it, I'm gonna give Austin a fourth. Wow, you think they, they they take a step forward? Only because I've shot myself in the foot. That's fair. Ferrari's coming eighth then. No, <laughs> come on. Mercedes is coming eighth. Okay. Anyways, we're gonna about to get to that. So, f- sorry for those listening, because obviously you can't see. I can't. We're well into the the rye and yeah. the bourbon. Oh, you've missed your eighth place. You're gonna have to give Mercedes, Ferrari, or McLaren an eighth. <laughs> But you know what? I like your other predictions, so We've we're not going to fault teams, you. Yeah? There is 10 teams. You forgot eighth. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. We're, you know what? You know what you're going to do? On Instagram, you're going to give your readjusted non-liquor uh, rankings. I don't know if I can sober up that much. <laughs> so let's, wow. let's take a step here and say I'm going to go full Gonzo Hunter S. Thompson. And say one of these fuckers that I haven't listed is gonna really shit the in the bag. Okay, that's fair. And the question is who? The question is who? If okay, out of the four teams remaining, so now we have McLaren, Mercedes, uh, Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull. Red Bull is not finishing eighth in your mind, but McLaren is next. We finally get to talk about Piastri versus Norris, which sure. to me, take us hold on. What would you like to say, Sean? I got to figure out who these 10 teams are because we only got 10 teams, mm-hmm. right? Haas. So got Haas, Kick, V-Carb, Williams, Alpine, Aston, McLaren, Ferrari, Red Bull. You missed Mercedes. Mercedes. That's who you How missed. How the fuck could I miss Mercedes? <laughs> you work for Germans. They're, they're going to listen to this and they're going to they're gonna be pissed. Anyways. Which, frankly, the only reason... Nick says Mercedes the way he does is because I told him Mercedes has three E's and they're all pronounced differently. No, I know this. Okay, listen. So we, you and I have had different German friends. A lot of my German friends have been from the north of Germany. Yours have been from the south. The German friends I had said Mercedes. No, sir. Okay, I know. That's what I'm saying. So it's a different no, part. That is exactly how you pronounce it. That's how I told you how you pronounce it. Mercedes. No, okay, you said Mercedes. I said Mercedes. Cides. Nobody listening to this fucking cares. <laughs> <laughs> but we care. And eventually other people are going to care, I imagine. Okay. McLaren. Let's finally talk about them. I like McLaren. I do. And you brought up a great point last week about the fact that they have their own wind tunnel now. So development is going to be streamlined. It's going to be better. It's going to be more consistent. They're not going to have the drop-offs at the beginning and then have to claw their way back like they did in 2021, 2022, and 2023. Norris was on it. Yesterday, at least, Norris was on it. Yes. 
hopefully that continues. Hopefully, yeah. But testing, like we said already, testing doesn't really mean anything. And okay, I like McLaren, but there's a lot of talk that they're going to be the main competitor to Red Bull. I disagree. I want it to be that way. I, I kind of do too because I like the way that second half of the season was. There, Verstappen had to be on it every race. He couldn't just coast like he did in the first half. Like uh, Zanvoort and um, no, I guess Zanvoort was still second half, but like Monaco. At no point did Verstappen, even though there was fucking chaos at every five seconds, at no point did Verstappen think he was losing. But Zanvoort, they did have to be on it. That's what I was trying to say. And that's because McLaren was kind of on it. And yes, so was Austin Martin in a sense. But uh, like I already said, Austin Martin takes a step back. And I wanted to add just to the Austin Martin discussion, I think Alpine is more consistent than Austin Martin. That's why they get to where they are. But McLaren, I think... Okay. I want to say... I want to say third. And I think... You know what? I'm going to stick with third. I am going to put McLaren at third. Because the team who's going to finish fourth, in my opinion, is not going to be who you think it is. But I think their the the greatest strength for them finishing third is also their greatest weakness for never winning. If you understand what I'm trying to say. I do. Yes. They need to figure out who their number one driver is this year. And they may not. I think they already know. Do you think it's Norris or do you think it's Piastri? I think it's Norris. They're smart if they make it Norris because they've built the team around him the last five years. Here's my question. And this is why this needs to be a big discussion. Is Norris that driver? Yes. Empirically, yes. <sighs> don't don't get me wrong. I love Piastri. Mm-hmm. If Nick knows me intimately, we've been friends for don't say twenty it. years. Don't say intimately, Nick. <laughs> you're my hetero life mate. Oh my god! Listen to every family member mi- listening. That's just a joke. <laughs> if you're a family member of Nick's and that offends you, there's a fucking problem here. I know. I'm just fucking right. Anyways. Yes, hetero life, mate. What were you saying? If Norris is the driver, I like Piastri. Me too. I like Piastri for reasons you hate me for. <laughs> he is he is Danny Rick, Mark Weber, David Coulthard, all rolled into one. We are in agreement. For reasons that you and I disagree about. You hate him because of that. I love him because of that. No, okay. I don't hate drivers because of that. I don't think we should worship drivers for that. I don't worship him. Okay, yeah. I think with his attitude to it, him getting cut off and pushed to the side of the track and be like, well, that was kind of fucked up. And then coming back and scoring above the guy that cut him off. And you're talking about Hamilton and Monza. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. And for a rookie driver, that is exceptional. Fucking love the kid. Mm -hmm. If he can do that regularly, he can be above Coulthard. He can be above Weber. Yeah. And you and I said the only reason Coulthard's not a champion and a more time winner is because someone put in his head that he shouldn't be that guy. Mika. Yeah. Mm -hmm. More Ron Dennis. Yeah, sure. More Ron Dennis. Yeah, sure. Do you? I don't think they're putting that in Piastri's head at any point in time. Right, and this is my point. Hmm. Zach Brown, who I don't necessarily love, 
He's done good for McLaren, but I don't love him. Mm-hmm. I think he's better than Dennis. If you hear all the stories about Dennis, uh, okay, and but- frankly, you hear all the stories about Nui and Dennis, and Nui liked the fuck with Dennis hard. <laughs> Apparently, after like the first week of Nui being there, Dennis wanted to fire him because he painted his fucking office. Nui painted his own office or painted Dennis's office? No, Nui painted his own office. And Dennis was like, fuck this guy. So they talked about this formula for success. And they also talked about it in Nui's book, How to Build a Car. Nui painted his office at McLaren Robin Eggs Blue. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know McLaren, Ron Dennis wanted everything perfect. The Woking building, everything about it is Ron Dennis. And he wanted everything exactly to his liking. And basically what happened was, Nui came in and said, Hey, I don't like this fucking bland nature of it all. So he asked the guy that was in charge of the building maintenance, Hey, over the weekend, which was a race weekend, so Ron wouldn't be there, nobody would be there, paint my walls Robin Eggs blue change the carpet, do all this. Monday, they're doing the debrief. Ron Dennis walks into Nui's office and sees fucking Robin Eggs Blue. And apparently, it's one of these things where if you haven't seen the Woking office, it's all open. So standing in the lobby, you can see up to where Nui's office was. And everything's black and white, essentially. And you see Bright fucking blue. Or I guess black and silver. Yes. Yeah, because at that time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and then there's bright blue. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently, Ron Dennis walked into Nui's office, didn't say a fucking word to him, but was just lost. <laughs> just breathless. And apparently, Ron Dennis's wife talked him down from firing Nui. And the rest <laughs> is history. And the rest is history. Yes. And the rest is history because yeah, they were champions after that. Well, actually, they, it took a year. That's how exceptional Nui was. Is that McLaren was falling apart? Like we, we have to, we have to do a history lesson in the nineties. McLaren was so dominant late eighties, early nineties. They got to the point where they didn't win a race in ninety six, if I'm not mistaken. And then they finally won a race on the last in the European Grand Prix in ninety seven when Schumacher hit Villeneuve. That was the only reason they won. Sure. But then the rest was history because 98, 99, they were dominant. Yeah. But if you want to go right into the fucking history of it, where did Nui make his start? Williams. He killed Senna. I mean, no. I know. No. Oh. Where, did, where did Nui make his start? Oh, he, he did start in McLaren. No. Did. No. Okay. Leighton House. Where's Leighton House? How many of you fucking know who Leighton House is? I have no idea. You could have fooled me. I thought maybe it was original McLaren, Nui. Anyways, go on. But this is just it. Leighton House didn't win anything. But he went on from Leighton House to this and that, mm-hmm. to who he is. Leighton, Nui has always been fantastic at what he does, mm-hmm. regardless of where he is. And now you look at him, he showed up at fucking Bahrain testing this year in a blue shirt and denim jeans and a fucking hat. Mm-hmm. Not wearing any Red Bull kit. He's a renaissance man. You look at him and you're like, holy, how is this fucking guy still on the grid? He doesn't use a computer. He still drafts everything. By hand. I guarantee you, everything you've seen on the Red Bull car this year was drawn in his 
fucking red notebook by hand. I don't want to get too off topic, but you know what? This is a philosophy podcast. Writing is supposed to like. Does he write it with a blue pen or a pencil? You think? Pencil. Okay. Well, either Here way, too. both are good. Blue pen apparently. Blue pen, allegedly, in the if you talk if you understand um, vibrational, um, like manifesting stuff like that. Apparently, blue pen on paper is like magical. Sure. Yeah, and but I, but, but the point is, I'm trying to make like he he's old fashioned and he's magical. Go on. But this is the thing, in an age where. When I came through college, we were told we were the last we were the last cohort that would learn hand drafting. Yeah. I know how to draft based on here's a 3D design. Here's what I want to know. Here's how you draw it manually. I'm the last cohort that was taught how to do that. The rest of them have everything done to them, done for them, right? Like no, not necessarily. Like I hire guys now who can do more than I can do. They know more about CAD, computer aided design, than I do. But at the same time, when I go to them and they say, "Hey, this is wrong," and they go, "Why does why is it wrong?" I go, "This is why," and I can draw it. Mm. It doesn't take me hours to go back to CAD and draw it. I can draw it on the spot. Yeah. Right, and that's what Nui has, and I don't want to compare myself to Nui because I am not him. He can look at a structure and say, "This is why it doesn't work. This is how we have to do it." The Red Bull this year, I guarantee you, was designed on paper at a drafting board in his office, and then passed off to somebody to figure out how the fuck do I design this in three D. Mm. But that's where the magic happens. Anyways, yes. we've gotten a little bit off topic. Dennis, we went back to McLaren. De- Zach Brown is better than Dennis. Were you going to make a point about Zach Brown? A big point? Nothing more than I think. I don't like Zach Brown, but I think McLaren will be second. Wow. I don't know. I like I like you. I want to believe it. I want to believe it. I really do because it was like I said. That second half was a lot of fun. And I'm going to get belligerent here because this bottle of wild turkey is getting. Close to the bottom. The Lot 40 is better, just for the record. I, I like the Wild Turkey. The Lot 40 is better. The Wild Turkey is going to get you more fucked up. I feel that. Hence why I'm saying McLaren's second. second. Yeah, but that's not as crazy as you think. Because like you said about the wind tunnel last week, if that extrapolates onto the track and they figure out that Norris is number one, that's the that's the variable to me. Do they favor Piastri when needed, when they think they need it? Because I went off about this at Ferrari a couple of weeks ago, that Silverstone race, when they just suddenly made up their mind that they're going to favor science out of nowhere. Is McLaren going to have moments like that? Because the best teams coalesce around one driver. And Agreed. I think, and it was clear at times that McLaren understood Norris was number one and they undercut Piastri a few times and, Brundle pointed out during the race, they said, oh, if I was Mark Webber, I'd be pretty pissed about what they just did to Oscar. But like... If Brundle was a good driver, he wouldn't have had his best performances with Jordan. I, um, he actually technically had his best performances with um, Benetton in terms of finishes, but I think I know what you're saying. Like his best overall races were with Jordan, yeah. 
If your aunt had balls, she'd be your uncle. <laughs> I'm wow. sorry, everybody. This is the this wild is wild turkey, turkey deep. Talking. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but it was funny. I like that. I had no comeback when you when you silence me. You did good. I'm just saying, like, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like Brundle. I'm just saying he gets a lot of opportunities to do what he does because he's part of Sky. Mm-hmm. I also I do respect his opinion. I do, which is saying a lot about British media for me. I've said this for a number of years, including people who I've worked for in the past who have a long history with F1. I liken Martin Brundle to Madden. (laughs) That's good. That's a good comparison. He was competitive years ago. He knows the sport. He knows what he's doing. But as we age and as he ages... He's missing a beat. Why the fuck are we listening to this guy? That's fair. You did make a comment that um, the F1 app of Coulthard and I forget his name is a better commentary duo. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I yeah. like Croft, I like Crofty and Brundle. That's just personal preference. Crofty, I could do without. Kravitz, I think, does a good job in the pits. Jolin Palmer, obviously, he's relevant because he's driven these cars, he's driven these engines, hmm. whatever. I think he's a better commentator than he is a driver. Mm. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Alex Jakes. I think they could have found somebody better. That's the one with Coulthard? Alex Jakes is their main... Yeah. Is the F1 main commentator. He's got an annoying voice. Yeah. Coulthard's way better. Coulthard steals that show. I'll put it out there now because there's no other place to put it out there. Alex Jakes looks like he's wearing his father's suit. This I gotta see. I've never seen this, but anyways, we'll see. We'll I'll see it after. This. It's it's an interesting dynamic, but all these English presenters are well dressed, whether they're male, they're female, they're whatever. Uh, well dressed. Crofty, not really. Well, Brun- Brundle's got a nice shirt, but never a good suit. Sure, yeah. and nobody's got a nice suit. Nobody wears a fucking suit to an F one race these days. They should at least wear a sports jacket, but yeah. you would think so. You would think. Coulthard, I think, does. Anyways. But you know, this, this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Alex Jakes, he made his name in the Junior Series, F2, F3, F, yeah, formula, uh, Super Formula. I hate to say it, but he still looks the part. Mm. So sometimes it needs to be both, I think is what you're saying. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he does a decent job, and I'm, I'm glad he has Coulthard and... Palmer and Lawrence Barreto to sort them out. All right, we we're, we've been talking a while. Yes, but anyways, we'll we'll wrap this up quickly. But the last three teams, I think, are pretty straightforward. Okay. Um, wow, we're both, I think, in agreement that Red Bull is one. There's no doubt. The question is, does, does Red Bull? Because you brought this up excellently last week. The reliability Verstappen had in 2023 is unheard of. Is that an anomaly or does that happen again this year? We're going to find out. We're going we're, That's going to be, I think, the main question. <laughs> Based okay. on what we've seen so far, it's not an al- anomaly. It's that just, is what it is. It's, it's baked in the cake. And if that's the case, they could win 24 races. And that's not an exaggeration. I've, I've been going back and forth in my mind. Does Max think I can do better than 19? And... He's that type of person. No, but look at it from a stats standpoint. 
What does it take to win 24 of 24? Perfect reliability, perfect execution of strategy. Um, and yeah, like a, yeah. Frankly, in 23 is probably the closest you could ever get to being there. Mm-hmm. Eliminate Singapore, and what do you get? Perfect. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, this actually goes to what we talked about with Checo last week. I think Max could win 20, but and Checo could improve and win four. That's not out of the realm of possibilities. And as a Red Bull strategy, I think that's what they're going for. Yeah. I think, I think, I wonder how much, how many races, though, they're going to sacrifice to win Singapore. It's probably not many. No, absolutely not. But they want to win Singapore this year. They want to win. It sounds like I it. think they don't care. It's one race. Yeah, but but it seems like it pissed off Nui and it pissed off Horner. It pissed off Verstappen. It pissed off Perez. Oh, absolutely. They're going to yeah. get better than fifth. Yes. I wonder if they win. Yeah. The the question to me is if you're like you're you're right. So it seems like the reliability is there again. If it is, they could go twenty fourth for twenty four. <sighs> a lot of people are talking that they might slip a little bit. I still they still think they're going to win. So that makes me want to go in the other direction, and that they're going to be one and they're going to be almost perfect, if not perfect. So we're both agreement that they're one. The question is now, and we can talk about this together. Is Ferrari four or is Ferrari two? Well, I've made my decision. So, the problem is I think I've stepped on my own foot. You have. To give your give your updated non wild turkey um adjustments. I y- fuck it. I'm going YOLO. <laughs> Go YOLO. Is Mercedes eighth or is Ferrari eighth in your mind? <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta one's gotta be eighth. I've screwed myself here, so in the latest iterations of f1 i'm gonna say ferrari is eighth i knew it i told you i told you right when it happened i said oh wow this one this team's gonna be eighth okay. just for everybody listening this is not me actually thinking ferrari's gonna be eighth. this is me thinking holy fucking shit i fucked up the order that's fair it happens to the best of us yeah ferrari's not gonna be eighth but the fact that everybody is so bullish on charles leclerc makes me want to agree with you Makes me wish I could change them to eighth. In if Ferrari sense. is eighth, Hamilton is gonna fucking ruin shit. Yeah, there's gonna be hell. There's gonna be hell hath no fury like Hamilton scorned. If he's if he has to go to a team that's eighth, he's gonna like you said, he's gonna burn this entire organization down. And but this is the thing: like you have Hamilton go to Ferrari as eighth place. What is the acceptable criteria? In the in the sense that like like what does he do or does if Ferrari finishes eighth this year, what is the acceptable minimum next year? Oh yeah, that's a good question. Then they're gonna have to because I will just put it out there because people have a very short memory span. I worked with a guy who was Italian through and through, who. I don't want to admit this, that this was 11 to 12 years ago. Yeah, we're old. It's but okay. it was. We're that old. We're old now, I know. That when I said, hey, a lot of people are pissed off that Hamilton is black. <laughs> he said, yes, I'm one of those people. And he is Italian through and through, Ferrari fan, whatever. Right? I hate that. Because Nick knows my preferences. <laughs> yeah, we we won't get into this now until maybe when we're famous. Um, 
Yeah, but Ferrari and it, sorry, Italy, much like America. Italy's the America of Europe. Like America, like America worships all their the basketball players, right? And there's and there's a history of of racism in America. I don't want to get too much into it. Like I don't want to get this hundred percent. Yeah. However, when it comes to winning, America understands winners and worships winners. Doesn't matter the color of their skin. That's what separates America from a lot of the world that may just stick to racist principles. Opportunist at best. Yeah. Okay. Italy's the exact same way. There's a lot of talk, like, I know you don't watch um, Italian soccer, like, in, or calcio, or even European soccer, for that matter. Italy always gets flack for being a racist country because there's fans that will, like, shit on black players. And me and my brother understand this. It's not that they're black that they hate them. They know they get in their head when they start being racist towards them sure. because they want to win. So Ferrari, I think, is going to stop, and, or Italy, I mean, is going to stop being mean towards Hamilton. Because they're on Hamilton's on his team now, on Italy's team now. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't think the that's the same necess- people that were like he shouldn't be here. Yeah. Will accept him because he's on their team. Exactly. So 100%. yeah, it, it, it's not necessarily a racist thing. It's more of just like we know we can get in your head if we talk shit about you. Yeah. That's what that's what it was, and so I think they're going to embrace Hamilton. I think, but I think they're going to believe the bullshit about Hamilton. Hamilton's not going to do for them what they think he's going to do unless Ferrari figured something out in the engine in 2026. And they haven't. We got off topic. Ferrari's eight. So that means Mercedes <laughs> is two. Well, anyway. Um, oh, you dropped the pencil. Oh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Um, I think Ferrari's two. I don't want to admit it, but I think Ferrari is too not necessarily okay. Not necessarily because I believe they took a step. I just think Mercedes is going to be four. I think they're going to take a step back. I think with Hamilton with his mind off of Mercedes, I think he steps back. And Russell, as we both know, is not getting better. So I Russell's can, a chump. Russell is something else. All right, Hits people. So- so Maybe run it, this run is it down. the turkey talking. I'm looking at this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So there's ten teams on here. Y- y- yes, Sean. <laughs> the turkey has made you forget that there's the ten teams in that The turkey has taken over. The turkey has taken over. I love this podcast. This has been the most fun I've had. We have, as far as I'm concerned, one team left. There is one team left. Andretti. Where is Andretti No, finished? Andretti is not a team on the grid, my I'm just, friend. I'm just kidding, I know. No, I already said Mercedes. You did not. I didn't say Mercedes won. Look at no, you. No, you said Red Bull won. Yeah. Oh, Mercedes. Mercedes I said, Mer- said Mercedes is four. That's what I said. There are three E's pronounced differently. Me, C, des. Mercedes. Okay. <laughs> that, that's, that's the end of that point? Yes, because... You're going to re-listen to this and you'll be like, edit out 90% ah, of this. And you won't. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> because our conversations are fun. I'm not going to I'm not gonna take people away there from this. There is one more team and I have no fucking idea where to where place is it because you? it's either second or eighth. No, no, it's third because you put Ferrari second for some reason. Yes. No, you put McLaren second, so Mercedes is third. So let's leave Nick. Where am I placing Mercedes? You are placing Mercedes third. You had too much wild turkey. I'm giving you too much wild turkey every year, every podcast. 
Gatsby's pretty pissed that we're not paying attention to him. I mean, he just forces his way in. He just forces his way in. Okay. Kind of like Lauda. <sighs> and he also has the same type of face. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. You should have named him Lauda. Anyway, um, yeah. So you have Red Bull 1, McLaren 2, Mercedes 3, Austin 4, V-Carb 5, Williams 6, Alpine 7th, Ferrari 8th, um, and Kick and Haas 9th and 10th. Okay. Sounds great. It sounds great. I think the only mistake is Ferrari eighth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just kidding. And then I and then I have Yeah, you'll correct oh. you'll correct yours when you sober up. Okay. I have Red Bull one, Ferrari two, which I don't like, but I think the more I think about it, Mercedes is gonna take a step back before Ferrari. And I don't want to overvalue McLaren. Careful. Oh fuck. You're gonna get there. You did it. Good job. Just be careful, okay? I have McLaren 3, Mercedes 4, Alpine 5, Austin 6, V-Carp 7th, Williams 8th, Haas 9th, Kick 10th. We both kind of had a, had a medley of, of choices tonight. You know what? I'm going to say tonight's a whole lot of fucked up. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, I'm okay with that. I will admit, before this conversation, I I told Nick that today was a bad fucking day. But it was it turned out into a good conversation. Yes, we needed we needed this conversation. Yeah, we both we both had not. I'm, you had a tougher day than me. I had an interesting day, but that lot forty hit the spot, and we got all of all of it hashed out. Anything else you want to mention before we go? This is the same thing I mentioned lot forty last week. This is the same bottle that Nick wanted to sample, so he sampled it. Thank you. It's so good. I'll bring I'll bring the whiskey or beer next time. I kind of want to drink because Sean has a has a a ledge of like drinking amazing craft beer bottles, and him and I are big fans of the Quebec beer Unibrew, which makes Au Fin du Mont a nine percent a nine percent beer. I think well, that should be the next one. Well put for two people who don't speak French, for the metalheads out there. Megadeth is a big fan of Montreal. Really? Yes. Well, I've never is, thought that. Yeah. Uh, fin de Mont is their beer. Oh, it's Megadeth's beer. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah. It's not up there on my ledge, but it should be. Frankly. You have it. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's just off center. I'm sorry, mate. For those of you listening, I am far too hammered for this. You held your own. You held I your tried. own until the Ferrari eighth place. That was the only one. Uh, fin du Mont. <laughs> um, Dave Mustaine is not French, but he apparently loves Montreal. And Nick and I were in Montreal in 2018, and we were hoping to see uh, Will Buxton at... Um, ah, what's the bar name? Oh, we're the one we went to at yeah, Saturday night? Yeah, where we sat there for hours and they didn't show up. Oh, those fuckers. Uh, yeah. O'Malley's. Yes. yes. That is, that's it, O'Malley's. We sat there at O'Malley's yeah, and yeah. Will Buxton, if you're listening, fuck you. Yeah, fuck you, Will Buxton. Um, <laughs> we hope to see you soon at O'Malley's. We're going to have Will Buxton on the podcast one day. He's going to be like, yeah, I heard your third episode. You guys talk shit about me. But... I, I sat there, me and you, and I was like, Nick, don't worry. We're going to see Will. Hmm. Never showed up. And then we talked to the waitress, and he's like, oh, no, he's not coming. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? Oh, we had, like, excellent curry 
if I remember correctly. Like it was like, great. Like yeah, fucking, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Irish pub curry is always good. Yeah, yeah. And that one was good. Yeah. I'm clearly very hammered. Yeah, you know what? Take tomorrow off. No, it's it's too far gone for that. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're gonna be okay tomorrow morning. No. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna put on record that I'm sorry. Why? I'm like I'm like that for tomorrow morning. Not right now. We had a lot of fun tonight. I you know what's funny? I remember I bought that Renault shirt, that bright yellow shirt. Yeah, sport cock beef. Yeah, cock sport beef. Cock sport beef. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't let me. You wouldn't let me live it down that no, whole weekend. No, because you love the cock. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, um, Nick loves dick. Oh, shut up! No, I don't. You know my girlfriend. Anyways, anything else you want to talk about? I think we nailed it. Do I have all my predictions here? That's you, the question. You do, and you're going to post them to Instagram reformed. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, we're you, good. You can count. Good job. Yes. Formula One philosophy on Instagram, F1 underscore philosophy. We're going to have a lot more changes coming to the podcast in the future, and you will see. In the meantime, have a good night, everybody. And we look forward to the new season. We will talk to you when the season's about to start, I think, right after qualifying. So have a good night. Yes, and I'm sorry, everybody, because this is as off the rails as I get. Don't apologize. This is probably our best podcast. Three hours. Jesus, fuck. (laughs) Good night, everyone.